What's up, everyone? We're back for Game Face episode 139 on Sifted Games at sifted.net. Couple notes before we get into the show, and we have a gigantic show for you tonight. Tons and tons of big games. Uh, but a couple things I want to mention. One, we're going to start doing Game Face every Tuesday starting next Tuesday. We're going to flip back to our old schedule. That was what we, we did do Tuesdays for like ever. I think so, yeah. Then we flipped to Fridays. We're going to go back to Tuesdays because for the rest of the year, there's just big game releases, and we want to make sure we can talk about them right when you guys are trying to decide whether you want to spend your money or not. So the show will be every Tuesday, starting next Tuesday, for the rest of the year. Also, we should have episodes every week for the rest of the year. Um, I want to thank you guys for your patience while I was gone for Labor Day weekend. It was really good to get home and see the family and uh, catch up with some old friends. So thank you very much. It has been a little bit since we've done a show. It's I pulled up to Matt's place today, and I was like, man, it seems like forever since I've been here. So uh, glad to be back. We do have a great show. One other note, uh, we're finally shooting some more episodes of Pactor Factor. Pack finally got back from vacation. We're shooting them this Saturday. Uh, so tomorrow, Tuesday, uh, there will be a post up on the site. There will be a post on our Patreon to let you guys ask questions. Make sure you get those in. We're shooting it on Saturday. So... With that, I think we should just jump into the show because we have a lot of topics, a lot of games. I have a feeling we're going to be bumping up right on the edge of our three-hour <laughs> allotted time for Game Face. So, Remember when you thought the show should be 40 minutes? Yeah. Well, when we started, it was. Like, Marcus and I was like an hour, hour Yeah, but and then 10. you started ignoring me when I told you to wrap it up, and it just got longer and then and longer. it just got to where we are now. So, um, yeah, so let's get on with it. We're not going to bury the lead with tonight's show. We are going to talk right away about Spider-Man. Game got it's. I think it's about an 8.8 .8 yeah, Metacritic right 80s. now. High mm -hmm. eights. Uh, one of the best selling games in the UK, like ever. Yeah, fastest selling. I think fastest selling Marvel game. Ever. Yeah. Doesn't surprise me. I yeah. Mean, I, I've been saying this is gonna be a sales juggernaut. Uh, no X Men pun intended for uh, several months now. Yeah. And uh, so Matt, you finished the game. Yes. I have not. I am. I'm guessing. 12, 13 hours in, something like that. Mm -hmm. um, based upon the collectibles, I'm over, pretty well over halfway. Yeah, like it's it's a pretty standard, I mean, I think you could probably finish, if you just, just did the story, I think you could finish it in like 12, 15. But I don't think you can't really just do the story in this though, because you have to do the other missions because you get the tokens that you then, mm -hmm. I mean, you'd, if you were really good, I guess like you, you could, could do just, without ever really upgrading. Yeah. Yeah. It would be hard, though, I think, if you played yeah. it that way. You yeah. could. There will be somebody who that, does I it. mean, that will be the basic speed run, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. There's, like, no upgrades. No upgrades. Side stuff. Yeah. So I don't think I could beat the game that way. And I would like the fact that it forces you to go and play some of the side content because, unlike with a lot of open world games, the side content in this is actually good. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I read a review where someone was railing on how repetitive it is. And again, I haven't finished it. So maybe it starts to wear on you in a second. I have not felt any repetition really in this game at all. No, I don't think there's a lot of... I mean, you do, you do the same thing several times in each borough or each section right. of, the, of the city, obviously. But like, that's any game. And um, they, they meter it out very well. Like early on, you're getting collectibles. You're getting like the, you know, the backpacks are unlocked and the landmark photos are unlocked. And so you're... Doing that kind of, you know, transit and find a thing or find the location, take a picture, like that's a, And like you've got some bases to take over, the Kingpin's bases, which I showed in the demos for the E3 stuff, like even last year, I think. And that kind of, but as you move forward in the game, they do take a page. They take a page out of a lot of the, the better elements of the Spider-Man games of the past. One of the things they took from what I think is the best Spider-Man game before this one 
is Web of Shadows. And one of the things Web of Shadows did is it followed a three-act structure where the city changed. By the third act, the city was completely different because all you know the plot had gone off the rails and right. crazy shit was happening everywhere. Um, and so they have a really good build of how everything works. So by so early on, they're giving you sort of like more peaceful style collectibles, and by the by the third act of the game, it's just combat, 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 and like the the, the collecting you know, of the the open world repetitive stuff is like big you know multi wave combat things where like you know you're fighting guys for like ten minutes you know oh, in a row. And like, so maybe I could see where it does start to wear yeah. a little thin by well, the no, end. Well, no, those because the combat's so good. It like is. I, yeah. you know, I wanted, I wanted more of it, really. And you don't have to do any of it. It's not, it's not forced on you or anything. But like, and there's not that many. Like, the, you know, when the new bases and challenges and stuff pop up, there's, there's only like maybe a dozen at most of the challenges and like six bases. Like, but like. You know, that's where, you know, it, it would be tiresome if every couple of, like, sets of missions you got, like, another thing you had to collect 50 foozles of. But they never do that again to you. you know, yeah, it's the like, collectibles it's, in this aren't that bad. There's the backpacks and there's 55 of them, I yeah, think. Yeah, there's 55 backpacks. And the nice thing about the backpacks, and this is one of the, one of the things that I think Insomniac is really smart about. Because um, it has been eight years. He's been Spider-Man for eight years. It's a completely new continuity. You know, it's it, for for the game. He's in Spider-Man for eight years. And the great thing about this is like it's not an origin story because he's already obviously he's already Spider-Man. There's right. super villains around. Vulture, King, uh, Vulture. He, the very beginning of the game is taking down Kingpin. You know, Electro and Rhino and all those guys are already in prison and stuff. Um, but none of the big guys. You know, there's no Green Goblin yet. There's no Octop Doc Ock yet. There's no Venom yet. There's no you know like the big super powered stuff. So, in, in, but they in, do. It does kind of introduce. It acknowledges. I mean, you know, very early set, on, yeah. you know, you'll you'll see some of these characters you recognize, and so that's that's always a good way to build some tension for the viewer. Is you know something the character doesn't. Yeah. And so the fact that you know how this is all going to turn out with these various characters, and you don't know if it's going to be in this game, is going to be in the next game. Like you're waiting, you're waiting for a lot of this to happen, and that creates a nice tension even in the early early parts of the game. Um, but one of the great things about it is. Um, uh, they they pace how it all unlocks uh, properly, and the, one of the first things you unlock is the is the ability to collect the backpacks and everything. So the backpack thing, it's supposedly his high school backpacks webbed up in places for emergency supplies or whatever, and you uh -huh. find like things that are references to the past eight years. Now it doesn't make a lot of sense because his webbing dissolves after about an hour, so they wouldn't right. still be up there. <laughs> they do they do oddly enough explain why he has so many backpacks at one point. Because uh, if you go into the backpack collectible thing, he says something about every collectible. Yep. And at first it seems like it's just sort of a fun little thing he comments on. But what it's actually doing is it's filling in the last eight years of this new uh, continuity and explain, okay, so this is, he's fought this guy, he's fought this guy, he knows this, this has happened, this has happened, this he has developed happened. This, tech this is his relationship, yeah, this yeah. is his relationship with this character, this is how this worked in this universe. So it's actually a really clever way to fill in backstory without having like boring exposition scenes. It's only there. Right on cue, there's a backpack. Yeah, it's only there if you <laughs> want to know that stuff. And so that's kind of a great way of filling, filling the player in on, you know, if they want to know more about this version of the characters. But all the collectibles are tied into the upgrade system. Yes. And the upgrade system is no joke. 
No, there's a tons of upgrades. There's a skill tree of with three different sets of skill types. Yep. There's the gadgets which all get upgraded. There's yep. the suits which all get upgraded. There's mods to upgrade the suits. Three on top yeah, of that. Each suit can have three mods um, attached. So yeah, you are you, there is a lot of, there is a a lot of stuff to keep grinding away and upgrading and there's also a lot of variety in how you can design how Spider-Man plays. Absolutely. Um, yeah. which is pretty great. And uh, it's it's uh, to get everything, you're going to need... To, that's the other thing. Is you, you, to get everything upgraded fully and unlocked, you're going to have to do some really hard-level hard challenges, get the max score on some of these challenges that the Taskmaster puts up for you, and they're very hard to get. They're not hard to get the trophy for, because you only need this, the, the middle score for that. Yeah. But to get the top score and get that ex, those extra tokens to upgrade everything, that is a, that is a real challenge. Those are some... some you know, those are no joke. Uh, probably the hardest thing in the game would be to do that. The but game is not especially challenging. It's not especially challenging, but those are there for it. I did platinum it. It's one of the easier platinums I've ever done because basically you just have to do everything. Trophy alert. Like there's no, uh, yeah, there's no, I would say this, this is, yeah, this is definitely one of the easier platinums I've gotten. Like this and probably Assassin's Creed Syndicate are the two easiest where they didn't require any difficulty stuff. They didn't require anything particularly taxing. You just have to do all the things. Um, so, uh, so that if you care about that sort of thing, uh, here, here's a free platinum for you. Um, but, it, but, it, you know, but there is more challenging stuff in, in, in there if you want to go for it, but they don't make that part of the trophy system. Now, one thing I said pretty consistently before the game came out and after we saw it at trade shows was that I felt like it was like a game, a remastered game of the year from 2012. And I have to say, now that I've played it, I do not agree with my initial assessment mm. at all. But I would say that it does. it's kind of like Spider-Man's Creed. It reminds me a lot of Assassin's Creed. Mm. Just the way the game is designed, the way the upgrades work, um, the fact that you're sinking parts of the city with the radio towers. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's an open-world game in the, in the, in the years post-Assassin's Creed. I mean, I think... I think we can we can pin. Look, the, that's not a slight. We can pin the tower. Assassin's Creed. We can so. pin the tower thing in open world games on Assassin's Creed. I think Ubisoft has changed game design yeah. with that. Oddly enough, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's it's a mesh of what you know. Clearly, it's a mesh of what Insomniac has learned from Assassin's Creed and the Arkham games. Yep. Uh, the Arkham game comparison is shaky in places, but I don't think this game would be the same game without the Arkham games. Agreed. Yeah. Um, it doesn't feel like playing an Arkham game, but like the lessons were taken. I would say I would combat especially. Yeah, combat is very because here's the thing. I actually played Arkham Asylum and Arkham City. Uh, back to back in the last two weeks before this game came out. In part because I was uh, jonesing for some superhero stuff in the run up to this game, and also because it got the uh, supposedly the you know the Xbox One X enhancement patch on the Return to Arkham remaster, which turned out, according to Digital Foundry, to be one of the, probably the worst Xbox <laughs> One X enhancement patch of all time. Uh, and so it was. It was not it great. Was not good. But um, but I did play the, through them again for probably the uh, the fourth or fifth time for each of them. Still great, um, but that led to two things with Spider-Man. First, there was a little bit of culture shock when I started playing this because I had to learn that the dodge was the circle button, yeah. not the X button, right. yeah. and there's no counter button. Yep. And so it took me a long time to sort of readjust to the because the combat in this is much more about agility and less about yeah. give and take and flow in terms of like the com the uh, you know, offense and oh, defense. Oh yeah, you give the enemies no quarter in this because you get hit like four or five times, you're dead. You're dead. Like, yeah. Like he, you know, I mean, he's a he's a he's a guy in a 
a spandex costume. He's not. Yeah, I mean take that was one hits, thing I know? noticed. The big change in for me was having played this at trade shows and then playing the final version. The yeah. first hour, I was like, oh my gosh, I get hit three times, I die. Yeah, the trade show versions clearly had the damage turned. Oh way yeah, down. <laughs> absolutely. Um, for good reason. It's a, it's a pleasant level of challenge. I wouldn't say it's super hard yeah, at yeah. any point. I, they, I, they I died a few nailed. times. Yeah. yeah, I died a few times. It didn't feel unfair. Once I kind of figured out and unlocked a few more things, I was like, oh, that's how you deal with that. Like, it felt it feels good, and it doesn't feel like a, re a repetition of Arkham at all. I'm not, I'm not quite ready to say it's better than Arkham City. No. Um, but I might eventually. I need to. I would I, say I, it is. I, I need to digest it longer. Um, I do think it's a better story. Oh, well, it's Arkham not even City. close. In Arkham um, City, the story is good. Yeah, and uh, I think this and Arkham Asylum stand up there as the best stories told in a I, superhero I game. I am shocked at how good the story is in this game. It's Absolutely really good. Absolutely shocked. I really thought it was just going to be another superhero schlock. Honestly, I'm, I didn't catch who. I mean, I, I know there was an addition, like a, a co written by credit for a, a comic book writer whose name I can't remember, and I know Dan Slott got some. One of the Spider-Man writers got an additional writing by credit. I didn't see who the Insomniac writer was. I can't remember because the credits are in alphabetical order, so I didn't. And, yeah. they, and they move fast because there's there's post-credit scenes, um, so they're really trying to get through it so they right. can keep your attention basically. Yep. So like they're putting up like seven, eight names with their titles all at once, and then they're gone like two seconds later. And so I didn't get catch who the actual writer was at Insomniac. Um, but whoever they are should be probably they should probably be headhunting them to write the movies. Uh, it's or, better than the movies because it, I mean I don't know if it's, it's not I wouldn't say it's better than Homecoming but like it's better than like most of the non Marvel Cinematic Universe movies yeah. in terms of like you know setting everything up making sure every character has a reason to be there making sure everybody changes and has some kind of like development arc, arc through the whole thing yeah. like it it never feels like it wastes any time. Uh, I complain all the time about game stories that are just one long act one, yeah. and that isn't here at all. Like it, it moves, it progresses, it gets stuff done that you think is going to happen, but then it leaves a certain amount of stuff for the. If there's something, I'll tell you this: there's like two or three post-credit sequences. If there's something that was not in this game that you wanted in a Spider-Man game, it'll be in the next one because they set up anything you might be missing in this game is set up for the next one by the end of the end of the credits, and. Um, I was great. shocked I by great. the tone of this game. Tone's really good. There's there's yeah. a couple scenes in this game that really kind of like hit me, like yeah. shook me a little bit. They're, they're I was not shocked at. I mean, they do not skirt away from serious issues at all. No, and they've got they've got a great cast. Uh, voice acting. Most great. most of the primary cast is from Critical Role. They're 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 big uh, big voice acting like staples. Uh, Yuri Lowenthal, uh, I think, is uh, Peter Parker. And he uh, he's very good. Peter Parker is probably the best Peter Parker voice ever. He's great. Um, yeah. And it's the same voices in, I think, the current cartoon. A lot, okay. of, a lot of the voices are the same as the current cartoon. But he's v exceptionally good. Uh, he has a lot of great reads that you can tell were, like, his read and not the line. Right. Like it was like, right. you know, he makes a couple, there's a couple, like, little quips and little, like, little side things or how, just how he delivers stuff. Like, there's, like, there's one thing where he's, like... Uh, where, where you're capturing like one of the repeated quips is like he, he's capturing thugs that escaped from prison or whatever and he's like he's like he's like you escape and you do this you cause riots like why can't you like take up like I don't know knitting or like canasta I love canasta and just like, and just like the yeah. way he says I love canasta is like like a, a, like a lesser delivery would be more of a like you know I love canasta but he says it exactly how you'd say it to yourself like you said right. something and then real like said you know, oh man I love that like what a great idea that was that I do like he has a, you can tell that he has like Spider-Man has like an internal monologue that 
he's just sort of saying out loud because yep. that's just what Spider-Man does. And but then there's like more emotional moments in it where like he sells the living hell out of it, and yeah. it's like it's great. Like a lot of the moments with with his stuff with Mary with Mary Jane is great, and then like there's more. You know, he, I mean, you talk about like one of the you're talking about one of the early like terrorists like sort of moments in the in the narrative, but there, there's more heavier stuff later in Act Three, and like they the the cast like you know for a game that also has a lot of like kind of. Quippy. I mean, he keeps it light a lot of the time. He's joking yeah. around with the with the the captain of the police, like he's doing his 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 shtick. But when shit gets real in this game, like the, the they they carry it off. Like the it's writing, not a bubblegum game. No, at the all. writing carries it off, and 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 the actors carry it off, and it's great. Um, I I I didn't doubt any of it for a second, really, and which is rare in these games, and certainly. At the very least, I would say it's probably better writing than a Spider-Man game deserves. Deserves, yeah. Um, <laughs> it, they di- didn't need to be this good. Yeah, I yeah. Would say. You know, I'm they, glad it is, though. But it's it's. Uh, I, I think, and that's one of the things when I say I think it owes something of a debt to Arkham, the Arkham games. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. I, okay, I don't like Arkham Knight at all, but like Arkham Asylum and Arkham City having like kind of that same tone and same writing in some places writing because Paul Denis was involved as the animated series of the 90s yeah. like taking that and transposing it into a game was just something that no one ever did before and now it's like it, you can't even imagine it without it but like when you know I remember starting up Arkham Asylum it was like the third or fourth Batman game in a row where I'm like well let's see how terrible this is right. I think we were coming off of yeah. like Dark Tomorrow or <laughs> right, something yeah. on the GameCube uh-huh. and I, was, I remember Adam Sessler yeah, Sessler took the copy took it home and played it and came back in the next day I'm like so how bad is the Batman game he's like it's really good. <laughs> yeah. Like that was it's a big so shocker good, for and yeah. and I'm like, really? And like, so I, I well, Rocksteady at that point was unproving. Yeah, we had no and, idea. Yeah. We, and I went in the game lab and played it, and like, it was like, yeah, it was like watching. It was like playing a, a continuation of the animated series, and it was great. I don't know enough about Spider-Man's animated series beyond the old Fox cartoon in the '90s to know if this is similar to that because it does share a voice cast, but yeah. like. Uh, it's, it's exceptionally good. Like it is. Uh, it's it's. You know, it's and I mean that's also sort of a Sony pedigree. I mean, God of War, uh, same thing, kind of going on. God of War story didn't need to be that good, but yeah. it was. Uh-huh. Um, it reminds me of God of War in a lot of ways. It's funny in, how in these games of... have better stories than Detroit becomes. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Which is a game fu- driven entirely by story. That's yeah. It's funny. Like I, mean, I don't remember exactly how that came up, but my girlfriend said something about that, and I and yeah. I said like, no, the story's great. Story's better than Detroit. It and is. That, and this Detroit is nothing but that. It, so, that's all it is. And yeah. in the meantime, you don't you wouldn't you know with combat this good you wouldn't even need it I was as, as Luke Cage said on Sean Baby's page long ago sweet Christmas with treats li- with treats like these who needs Canada yeah <laughs> let's talk yeah. about the gameplay and the combat one thing that really struck me when I was putting together the b-roll for the show was the breadth of the stuff that you do mm-hmm. when you're playing it it's easy to just be like oh I just did this investigative part and I'm moving on to this next thing when you start combing through and scrubbing through footage and plucking out like the different bits, I was blown away by how many different gameplay styles there are in this. So yes. let's talk for us about the combat. The combat in this game is sublime. Mm-hmm. And why, it, why I feel that way is because it's one of those games where you're playing it and you think to yourself, hmm, I wonder if I could do X, Y, or Z. And then in most games when you try it, you either find out it's not in the game or, it, or maybe it is but it's done in a way that you didn't think it should be done. It's not intuitive. In this game, when I first started playing it, and I was just doing the traditional beat-em-up, and I learned how to juggle or whatever, and then I was like, okay, while I'm in there juggling, can I, like, 
zip line over to another enemy mm -hmm. and i thought that in my mind and then i just tried to do it and it did it like insomniac built when it built the controls for this game i don't know how many people it focus tested for it but it has found the mean the average way that most people would try to do something that's how you do it in the game mm -hmm. i never really had to go look at tutorials or move lists to figure out how to do something it just happens the way you think it should happen and that is way too rare in video games and then just the combat itself it's so deep mm -hmm. you can find a way that you like to play and you can play exactly that way like you were saying earlier before we, we started the show that you like the air combat. And I like it too, because it keeps you down off of the ground. It makes it easier to dodge guns. And you build focus faster. And you build focus faster. And so I found myself doing a lot of juggles. And then once I figured out, okay, I like the juggles, I like staying in the air, then I started picking abilities that would, that mm -hmm. would work towards that and help keep me in the air for longer. So. And then the, uh, it's in, it gets more interesting later in the game when you start running into enemies that like, know that and, like, and start to, re like, they start, you hear them call out, keep him on the ground, and they'll start uh, trying to shoot you out of the air. Right. And like, so then you have to like, readjust, but you still want to be in the air because that's how you build your focus faster, but yeah, now yeah. you have to be ready to, to either dodge midair or change position very quickly or throw the guy you're beating on in the air back to the ground so you can get back to the ground and then pop him back up. But again, so like, all that stuff works exactly no, how it, you think it should. No, it all works very intuitively. Insomniac's always been very good about this and actually the other game that i was going to mention that i forgot uh in terms of influencing this is uh sunset overdrive yeah because, well obviously their game as well their yeah. game and like yeah. um you can you know and there's there's an element you know, there was when i played i love sunset overdrive it's one of my yeah. favorite games of this generation no one freaking played it because it was yeah. an xbox one exclusive and no one cared but I, I loved it to death. And I bet you if that game came out now, though, it would fare far better. Probably. Because it also came out during that, like, year, year and a half where everybody was hating on Xbox yeah. One. But it just had, and that's you know, kind of changed And some now. people, like, the, the sense of humor grates on some people. I thought it was fine. But I like the weird kind of the meta humor stuff. Memes don't, don't bother me. Yeah. But, like... There was an element of that game where I thought, like, man, this op this is a really good open world, and I'd like to see what they can do, what Insania can do with, like, more open world stuff. Yeah. And uh, the answer with Spider-Man turns out to be uh, a lot. A lot. Yeah. Like, they're really good. <laughs> a whole lot. This team that they have on this is really good. I assume this is some of the same people that made Sunset Overdrive. Yeah. And um, it's it really good. Yeah. Like it, it, it. In my opinion, this is Insomniac's best game ever. I think there's a strong case to be made. I certainly like it better than all. I think pretty yeah, much all, all the Ratchet games. games. Yeah, <laughs> all the Ratchet games. I like it yeah. better than Sunset Overdrive. Yeah, I mean that's pretty much their. I mean, catalog. unless you're a big Spyro fan from back in the day. Yeah, <laughs> like, and that's saying something. I mean, Insomniac's yeah. Insomniac games are always stuff. top quality, but the thing is just crazy polished. I, like, I even think you know Fuse got hammered, and it was not a great game. But I still think it's better than a lot of people give it credit yeah. for um it's not a good game but like it's, it's not, not like abysmal, a, it's not right? a disaster it's yeah. not unplayable they've never made anything that i would call bad um and it's like you know yeah every every ratchet game isn't a home run but you make you make nine of something and yeah, try to yeah. make it great every time but this is just on a level i mean I, they'll be making spider-man games for a, 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 as long as they want to and pretty I much think. yeah i have that feeling too and the other thing that struck me too about the game is just the breadth how many different things you do mm -hmm. so there's the web swinging there's the side missions and there's a vast variety of side missions mm -hmm. there's investigative sections where you play as mary jane yep i never would have guessed that they would have something like that uh, there's stealth, there's the great combat, 
there's all the there's all the science research stuff you right. can do. Right, and we, you, we showed some of that earlier in the B-roll. There's like puzzles that you solve yeah. with like circuitry and the circuitry. That's sort of it's sort of like the um, the the Bioshock like yeah. you know tubes with the liquid, yep. and then there's like uh, matching up uh, spectrum spectrumized uh, you know chemical it's almost reacts like, and stuff. like DNA matching or something. Yeah, well, it's, it's like it's got spectrometry. That's yeah. uh, spectrometer stuff. That's like an actual way you can tell what the what a substance is. Yeah. So he has this. You know, you play both as him as Spider Man, but also yeah. him as a scientist. Yeah. Working with another scientist, and the stuff that you do with those mini games pays dividends because again, you get tokens mm -hmm. that go back into the upgrade system and it all just, yeah. all these disparate parts of the game all wind together into yeah. one powerful and then that's, table. It, and then if you don't necessarily like that as this doing the getting the research tokens through those mini games, there's later on, there's other, there's these science stations that open up. Yeah, that you yeah can I have then, some of those. Yeah. That you can then do those and like those tend to be more, we're gonna take either a swinging mechanic or a combat mechanic and we're going to make you do it in a, in a context that you haven't done it before. Are you talking about it. like uh, the first one is you have to swing through like the swing through the, the clouds. clouds? Yeah, there's stuff where you have to like uh, swing around and like and like coat different places instead of testing your ability to like swing in a specific location. Um, there's uh, there's bits where like uh, there's one where you have to get um, stuff to uh, to a certain location or in a certain amount of time. But the thing that you're you're carrying uh, has has, has uh, basically ruined your webs, so you can't swing. So you have to you oh, have geez. to like you have to zip line or or run and jump your whole way there in a certain amount of time. So it's like okay, let's see how how good you how are good traversal you are without, the web, without yeah. without the swinging, which yep. is like there are so many other you know there's a lot of tools for traversal other than just swinging the webs. So. Yeah, yeah. So that is kind of a good And you could upgrade all that stuff too. Yeah, and it took me a while to kind of get used to a certain certain, you know, certain tricks in that traversal bag, but once you master it all, like because early on I was actually feeling like, man, this is a little it takes too long to get places. Like I'm it, I'm swinging real slow. And eventually once I figured out how everything works and how to do like the point jump stuff and and the speed boost stuff and some of the the the, the abilities in the in the web swinging web slinger tree, like I mean, it's like I can move faster than a, than a plane. Right yeah. Now. You know, it's like it, it, the, the and that's the other thing, too. The swinging could have been something that they just took from the prior games. People mm -hmm. were already happy with it, and they could have just been like, okay, done with that. Let's move on. No. Even the web swinging in this game is several magnitudes better than it's been in prior games. It may yeah. look the same watching it happen on a TV screen, but when you have the yeah. controller in your hands, you... You feel a major difference. In, yeah, there's in the a part. tremendous skill curve to it uh, if you want to master it, and there's there's. Um, but you don't have to. You don't have to. Like it's still there. Yeah, you know, but but again, like people watch this and they think it's like a lot of the criticisms I saw were like, oh, it's just like a, a canned like QTE thing. Right. It's like a it's a like plays it for you. No, not at all. Like yeah, there's hardly any of that stuff. That was a big concern for me too before yeah. I got to play the final version was, is there gonna be QTEs all over the place in this game? But no. no There's like time button presses in places, yeah. but like th this, actually this scene where you where you save the crane here uh, from last year's E3, this is as QTE as the game ever gets. Yeah, and this happens um, pretty early in the game yeah. too. And like, the like and early on i think one of the yeah when i played this scene because once you once you web the crane up then you chase the helicopter and people were like i think there were a lot of people that were concerned or thinking that the chase with the helicopter was also like a canned cutscene, right. and it's not, it's not at all. Yeah. Like you can catch that helicopter if you, because if, because when I started swinging, I'm like, I wonder if I can just zip line over the roofs and like if I can anticipate where it's going, I can cut it off, right. and I did. Yeah, like yeah. it was, you know, it's, so same, it's all really happening. Yeah, it's all real time. You're you're all in free control of whatever's except for this part. Yeah. Um, 
and uh, and but it's also fun because it's like it's a nice little set piece. I feel like I, I have a sneaking suspicion that they may have like backed off of some of that after the reaction to this scene a year and a half ago. But like whatever they they did to balance that is fantastic. And this even, scene is different though than it is in the game, right? Uh, there's some because otherwise that one character would be a huge spoiler. Who, Mr. Negative? The Asian guy. Mr. Negative. Yeah, he is, uh, if I remember correctly... In the he game, is, he's in, not in the helicopter. Yeah, he's not there yet in the game. Right. Yeah. The, the, this is different in, in the game and the, the, the raft breakout. Yeah. Um, yep. The, first off, like in the raft breakout, there's, there's an extra scene between when you leave New York and when you get to the raft. Yeah. And the big, like... You know, at the end of the, the E3 trailer, it's like, it's like, it's you. And that's the big... Tra- that doesn't happen in the game. Right. It's just like, you know who it is yeah. already. It's, not- it's funny watching this now, though, having played the game. Like, that's a big spoiler, what they just showed. Yeah. <laughs> I think it is. Well, you got to show someone. Like, yeah. I, I think the, the thing that surprises me more is that the Raft breakout was shown as the E3 demo this year. The Raft demo is the end of Act 2. Right. Like, that's real late uh-huh. in the game. Now, to be they fair... They showed a lot of late parts yeah, of the game. I mean, they've demo. never shown anything from Act 3, to be yeah. fair. And Act 3 is, you know, you don't know what's ha- going to happen in Act 3, I promise. But, like, I mean, I know... I, I get that they showed probably the breakout in the rap because they wanted to make sure you knew that these iconic Spider-Man villains were in the game, and really they're not there until yeah. that scene. But, like... Yeah, I mean, and and the other th- it was funny. One of one of uh, one of my friends I was talking to about the game, and he'd seen all this early stuff, and he's like, I don't really want to play that game because Mister Negative is real a really stupid choice for a, a main villain. And I'm like, he's not. He's though. just a bit. Like, yeah. it's it's the great thing about this game's story is that it's not an origin story, but I think it would be fair to characterize it as. This is the story of when shit got real for Spider-Man. Pretty much, yeah. Because like Mr. Negative is a good example where like all his pre all the other villains that exist already in this in this story that he's beaten before the game started in the last eight years, they're all those like science hero characters, science villain characters where they've got like the high-tech wingsuit or the high-tech whatever thing, and they're just like criminals that happen to have like this tech that they're using for evil. Whereas like Mr. Negative is like a super being like right. he's, you know he's blasting stuff out of his hands and like you know ripping buildings apart like like there's things happen in this game on a scale with the enemies that just are have not been part of peter parker's life until now yeah and so this kind of the story is not an origin story but it's also sort of breaking new ground in, in Sp- spider-man's life because he's never faced threats on this level before and that, there's a great build to the story because of that, and it even works in the sense like one of the great, great uh, innovations in terms of character placement in this, I think, is the fact that J. Jonah Jameson is retired from the Daily Bugle and is now a um, it's like a shock an Alex Jones Infowars <laughs> style <laughs> conspiracy podcaster, yeah, yeah. and like so when you do I turned almost, it off eventually though I kept it on because really? when, when you do almost anything <laughs> in the game, his podcast will pop up almost immediately, and he'll give you like. The spin on why what you did was evil, right? And like, I got annoyed with it after. He comes, a while. oh, it's incredibly annoying. But that's why JJ's <laughs> a great character. But it's a perfect reinvention of that character for the modern, yeah, yeah. version of Spider-Man that they're doing. There's, in this I mean, game. there's a lot of like real world and, stuff that kind of weaves its way yeah, into the. But it's game. also great because JJ's commentary at the beginning of the game is all about how Spider-Man has made the city crazy, and all right. these costumed lunatics are here because Spider-Man's here, da da da. And as things just get more and more worse. 
like they just get crazier and crazier. Like you see his kind of psychosis continue to right. evolve, yeah. and he has to come up with weirder and weirder ways Excuses, to explain why yeah. it's Spider Man's <laughs> fault. And it's great. Like, well, it's, I love how the callers call into his show, and they're like, "Well, actually, well, he, he saved the, my life yesterday." He, he keeps calling them low information Spider Man right, fans right. and stuff like that. It's, it's great. Like it's so funny. It's pretty on the nose. Yeah. Um, it's the. It's a great. It's. It's not better than J.K. Simmons, uh, J. Jonah Jameson in the Raimi movies, because that's that's Jameson. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's probably the second best portrayal of him in a non-comic form. Um, there's a lot of great stuff with the, with characters uh, reinvented in a different way, in a way that I think is better. Like it, like I think is a good idea, not just a good idea, but a more interesting take on the character than I've ever seen them before. Um, particularly Mary Jane. I think Mary yeah. Jane is handled very well in this game. Yeah, because when the game starts, they're not together. Yeah. They have split up, and then the game starts to tell you what happened, and yeah, then they it fills get... you in slowly. And yeah, and then they start to get back together, and there's a, kind of that romantic angle, yeah. and he's kind of pining for her more than she's pining for him. It's just, it's an awesome game, man. Like, I originally, I texted you the other day, and I was like, hey, like, are you going to finish Spider-Man before the next show? And you're like, yeah, I think I'm going to be able to make it. And I told you, I'm like, okay, well, I'm just going to play like 10 hours of Spider-Man and I'm going to jump on Shadow of the Tomb Raider so that we, I've played a lot of that. You'll have played a lot of Spider-Man. And, mm -hmm. and I could not pull myself away from Spider-Man. And I ended up playing Spider-Man way, way more than I thought I was going to. And consequently, played Shadow of the Tomb Raider a lot less than I thought I was going to. So I, I honestly, I, I'm not a big Spider-Man fan. I love Spider-Man as a kid, but I've really kind of fallen out of love with just comics and comic book characters in general. I like them, but I'm not obsessed with them like the way, the way I was when I was mm -hmm. a kid, and I love this game. So I think a lot of people may look at a game like this and say, oh, well, I'm not really into Spider-Man, or I'm not really into superhero. It doesn't mm -hmm. matter. It is just an amazing video game. It doesn't matter what the mm -hmm. character is. It is... And I'm not a huge... I mean, I like Spider-Man, but it was, he was never my favorite growing up. Um, and that's probably one of the reasons I am still reticent to, you know, do the Arkham City comparison because I do yeah. like Batman more than right. I like Spider-Man. Yeah. But um, this is the best. This is the best Spider-Man game ever made. Oh, not no even. Question. Not even close. Yeah. It is the best Marvel. I mean, in my it, opinion, it's the best superhero game ever. It's made. the best Marvel game ever made. Um, I would. The only other superhero game I would maybe give the edge over it would be Arkham City or Arkham Asylum. It's close. Um, yeah. And they're right there. And, yeah. and and the difference there might just be which character you like better. Yeah, I like I, I like Batman see, better. I could see that. Um, but this is amazing. This is incredible. And it's it's also incredible to play the. And I think you see this in the industry reaction to it where like every developer and their mother was congratulating Insomniac yeah. uh, on the release is that um, we've never really had a Spider-Man game with this kind of budget and backing and time and talent and I mean putting Insomniac on this game is yeah. is great I mean you know it, I mean the Activision games some of them were good some of them weren't but they were basically like made as best they could with the time frame they had. It was had a machine. The, it was, they yeah, had, it was just their, two, they had their 18 months to make the game every time. And, and they gave, you know, they gave Insomniac, first you give it to Insomniac, one of the best developers in the world. Yep. And then you give them the time and budget they need to make this and do it justice, do justice the character in the way that they did with Sony Santa Monica for God of War or for just about anything Sony publishes first party. Yeah. Um, and that makes all the difference. There's never been any, you know, it's, it's, it's that same feeling that I had with Arkham Asylum where it's like, Wow! Someone finally said, "Hey, why don't we do this this right. property justice? Yeah. Why don't we <laughs> yeah. take this thing that's been popular for longer than any of us have been alive 
and do it up the way we know it, it should, should be have been done, done all along. Yeah. And I think they are going to definitely reap the sales benefits from it. I think this is going to be a 10 million seller easy. Yep. Um, I always thought it was going to be. It deserves it. But it now it's, 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 I mean, it's, it's about as good as I thought it was going to be. I just had really high end, end expectations for it. I mean, I've been saying it's my most anticipated release of the year since God of War came out, I yeah. think. Um, and it did not let me down at all. I do think it's, it started for me a little rough. I was a little... It starts a little slow. It's, yeah. the, 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 it's hard to get used to how he moves in enclosed spaces. And the first mission, the first very beginning of the game is capturing Fisk, the yeah. kingpin. And uh, it's literally the first thing in the game. And they're slowly introducing you to all his abilities. Because he does have a lot of things he can do. It yeah, all makes sense once crazy. it comes together. But early on, you're, and he's so squirrely compared to Batman. Oh, yeah. Compared that to I was, any That I was having a lot of really. trouble sort of like getting my head around how he functioned. But once I got a couple upgrades in the, in the, in the pocket, it all worked out and every, everything made sense. But, I'm, but the first night I was playing it, um, some of my friends I was texting with, they're like, we're really worried that you're texting us and not playing Spider-Man. Is Spider-Man bad? Because like, <laughs> like, like, usually when a game comes out and I like it, I stop talking to yeah, them you for don't the rest hear of the night. From, yeah. And they're like, you're talking to us too much. Is Spider-Man bad? Should we cancel our pre-order? I'm like, no, it's fine. I'm just, I'm just not... It was slayed, and I was having trouble getting my head around some of the web swinging stuff. But I'm like, so, so after feeling guilty for that, I went back and just focused on it, and I got it. So yeah, I was, I was like, I was scolded by my friends into like focusing back on the game because I was being too social. I mean, <laughs> finding faults with this game, you have to really, really nitpick. The only issues I've really had with it is wall crawling. The camera has problems figuring out mm. which way is up. And then sometimes the, the game will say, okay, we see what you're doing. You're going down, but you're holding up. So it'll flip it. And then you'll be like, oh, and then it'll flip everything around. Like it, yeah. it even this game still has not managed how to deal with a video game character going up, down, going and all everywhere. around on yeah. a vertical surface. Well, yeah. Spider-Man's mo movement abilities have always been a problem for yeah. video game... I mean, I think this it's one... It's hard to be precise. Like, this if you one wanna, gets there 95% like, yeah. of the time. But yeah. everyone... So I think I've had stuff with that where, like, the wall crawling sort of, like, they, they, they picked... They picked, like, what I think they thought was the best way to orientate the controls yeah. for the wall crawling, and it mostly works and sometimes there's just situations where no scheme is going to work every every moment of the yeah. time the honestly the only reason the only time you really need it is when you're getting backpacks because some yeah. of the backpacks will be splatted against the wall or whatever and that's actually one of the another i think another example of intentional good design is by the time i collected all the backpack because the collectible stuff and kind of the things you can do in each section of the city unlock periodically you know, there's stuff there's stuff you know in the in the to-do list of each borough or each uh each section of the city that um, doesn't unlock until Act Three. Right. Like, you know, you can't do everything all at once. Right. And, well, and they I keep, yeah, they keep they, like they, introducing they like new it. bases. And, they drip yeah. feed it in a in a really smart way because like so early on you've got the back and finding all the backpacks is one of the ways that I adjusted to the the, the controls really well. Yeah. Like it teaches you how to be more precise with the controls and you need that. And there's like you, you know, also thing, have to collect all the backpacks to get the final suit, right? Uh, you get a suit for it. Yeah. Uh, it's not that big a deal. I used the traditional red and blues for pretty much the whole game. I, in the end, I don't hate it, but I am not a huge fan of the white spider uh, suit. It doesn't I bother just, me. It's just, it doesn't bother me, but it's just not my. It's not Spider Man to me. It's, I, so I got I, the black and gold suit, and I was like, oh, I'm set. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I, I have Pittsburgh colors on Spider Man. I'm good. I will also say that I um. So I, yeah, I'm a comic fan. I've read Spider Man pretty regularly. 
but there's 28 suits in this game, and I've never heard of 15 of them. Yeah, they like, really go deep. The, and I don't know how many of them are original or how many of them are just from comic stories I haven't read because I haven't kept up with Spider-Man very much in the last 10 years or so. Yeah. Because um, it's hard to keep up with that stuff because there's so much of it. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, a lot... Apparently. I mean, they all look, most all the suits look pretty cool, but like yeah. most of them I do not recognize. And which they is, all have a Which is actually ability. nice because yeah. like... I, I was kind of sick of the usual, you know, he was like, oh, here's the black suit, and here's the right. amazing Bagman suit, and here's, yeah. you know, the, the Activision games sort of had the same run of suits all the time, and this, this modern, you know, this game is not afraid to be, like, modern, I mean... But look, they even handle that very well, because each suit has a unique ability. Right. But you don't have, once you get that suit, you do not have to wear that suit to use that ability. No, the ability can go in any suit, but right. it's like... It's not afraid to be a very modern Spider-Man, and uh, I will admit that I was a little disturbed that most of the villains are younger than me. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, I mean, Spider-Man being a younger younger guy is like the thing I'm used to. But like, there's right. a point at which it's like, yeah, if a superhero thing happened now, we'd be the parents. Yeah, we, wouldn't, we would be, we, or the bad guys. We yeah. would not be. We'd uh, be the the old stodgy uncle. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, let's see which character I'm the closest in age to. Oh, it's the Rhino. Yeah. Oh, look at that. <laughs> But I think this is a game both of us wholeheartedly recommending to everybody. Yes, I really, no question. I think everyone's going to enjoy playing this game. Like, if you have any slight interest in open world or punching things, or <laughs> any, I mean, it's... Or it's, just act, well-paced action with a great story that sucks you in and makes you care about the characters and makes you care about what's happening. Yeah, I mean, if you, it's like if you loved God of War and you wish you had another game that kind of had that level of detail and production value and thought put into it, this is it. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. And, Probably not a coincidence that it's from Sony's first party or first party publishing. Another gem. Um, but uh, another, they, they another na- crown or another jewel in the crown. Yeah, they yeah. nailed it. They absolutely nailed it with a property that has been mis- bo- you know both sadly mis- both mishandled used, yeah. and you know well handled in yeah. the past. I mean, there have been, there have been some good Spider-Man games. Uh, Spider-Man Two is not one of them. Yeah, fight me. <laughs> um, but like this, this leaves them all in the dust. Absolutely. So there you go. If you haven't bought it already, go spend $60 on Spider-Man if you own a PS4. Uh, I saw some questions on the site this week about, hey, will it ever come to Xbox? According to Insomniac, no. It is a PlayStation exclusive forever. Right. Sony paid for it. Right. It's not going to Xbox or anywhere. Yeah, so it's not ever coming to other platforms. You may be able to play it on PC on PlayStation Now someday. Maybe. I, I expect I will be playing it on PlayStation 5 in you know either remastered or backwards compatible and it'll be at 60 frames a second and i'll be like oh that's a good reason to play this again yeah so I, I think that'll happen but uh no it's a playstation game yep no so question. two thumbs up from both of and us if you, ha- if you have a 4k tv with hdr like yeah it's popping man man it it lo- it's amazing <laughs> it it's really incredible is. it's one of the best versions in new york yeah ever we didn't even really game. talk about the graphics it's like we got to cut it off somewhere but it's just absolutely stunningly gorgeous yeah. new york think is about like it. scary realistic i mean like, even the music is great even the theme is, song yeah. is one of the better i think the theme song is one of the better like orchestral spider-man theme songs uh probably second I mean, the, the Elfman theme for the Raimi movies never did anything for me. I think modern movies uh, kind of suck at you know, musical scores. Yeah. Uh, Marvel movies included. And, um, like, this th- this score they have, the, the theme for him, probably is the best since the Spider-Man, Spider-Man 1960, or maybe the radioactive Spider-Man thing from the 90s. Ni- I did like the 90s car- Fox cartoon a lot. Yeah. Um, but yeah. just think about it. How often do Matt and I both 
gush over yeah. a game the way we're gushing over this. And one. Also, like, like here, usually like, one of us will be like, "Yeah, there's this one part of it that you know." Yeah. Even the even the te- technical problems. So like the here's another another more credit to Insomniac. Uh, at one point, I had one hard crash in the whole game. And uh, I had a bugged quest. That's the only problem. I and had. I went. I just uh, a cutscene happened, and it cut to him talking on his cell phone, and it ki- it, it died. It crashed to the to the the main menu screen, and I loaded it back up, and my save was corrupted. But it turns out that this game, like auto save backup saves, <laughs> like five separate slots. Like I mean, so in the end, like my save got corrupted, but the the auto save backup stuff, I only lost thirty seconds of of playtime. So again, Insomniac, like just really one of the best there is at what they do. Uh, I know that's Wolverine, but um, it's <laughs> in, in this case it's a, it's it's Insomniac. Yeah. So, so there you go. Incredi- Spider-Man PS4. We both yeah. wholeheartedly recommend it. Go buy it. You won't regret it. Incredible achievement. Um, just yeah. Congrats to Ted Price and all the Insomniac guys for making Amazing an incredible work. game. Absolutely. Which like. In a year with no shortage of incredible games, yeah, you know, like it's game of the year is gonna be tough this year. Yeah, we still got a bunch of more. We're not even done. Yeah, Yeah, I know we got a lot of great games to come. And speaking of which, uh, we're gonna talk next about Tokyo Game Show 2018. Uh, Tokyo Game Show, not exactly what it used to be. No, but better than it has been. It is so far. Like I'm surprised by how many like interesting announcements have shown up even even today. Yeah, well, so today, the show hasn't actually kicked off yet. This, this, the funny part was when I started the rundown for this show, I was like, well, we'll just do a quick preview of Tokyo Game Show. But then Sony had its TGS presser, and when we woke up this morning, there was, in the morning. Yeah. Yeah, there was just a megaton of new stuff. And so we're going to run through it very quickly and just get you guys hyped. We'll obviously be curating tons of stuff from Tokyo Game Show uh, all week. Uh, so if you don't have time to catch up, you can always go to Sifted. You can sift by the week, and it'll pull up all the big stuff from TGS. We're just going to go over the big stuff that was debuted today at Sony's presser. Um, one thing that hasn't been debuted yet but is coming is a Death Stranding stage show is going to happen in Tokyo. So you Game say show. that, and I think like it's going to be like a musical theater thing. <laughs> I don't blame you which for I, thinking which, that. Which I would prefer over whatever <laughs> they're probably going to show. I, I don't blame you for assuming that, but... Kojima at Tokyo Game Show is something special. He, yeah, usually he blows it out a little bit. He does. I have, you might actually see some freaking gameplay. Exactly. I have a very, very strong feeling that the stage show for this is going to show the first, like, the actual gameplay loop. Not them saying, this is in-engine footage or whatever. Like, actually showing what you do while you play the game. Now, the, the caveat with that is that it may not be released to the public. Like somebody mm, maybe will mm-hmm. shoot it with a camera at first, but I highly doubt they're gonna put out a direct feed version like right during the show. You may wait till like maybe next week or the week after and maybe they'll put out a, a direct version of it. But a lot of times what Kojima shows at Tokyo Game Show on stage stays with that audience for like a week or two before it goes out to everybody else. So you may get it like cell phone footage of it at first. Mm. Eventually you'll get the direct feed version. But yeah, you may have, you may be pining for uh, for having made a trip to Tokyo before the uh, week is over. So, to me... I, oh, I, God, being on a plane for 12 hours to see this game? Like, <laughs> kill me. You, like, hate, no you hate this game way. so much. Well, I'm just sick of it. It's been two years and we still don't even know what it is. Like, it's it's just the usual smokescreen. Well, it was funny. Whenever I was, like, getting the TriCaster ready for this episode before Sam showed up and I was, like, grabbing all the clips that we needed for the show, I saw, like... 
the Game Awards 2016 mm-hmm. Death Stranding de- clip or whatever. And I was like, oh, yeah. So it has been like two years since it was unveiled. Like, it's getting mm-hmm. up to that usual Kojima standard of, yeah, who knows when it's going to come out. But I have a feeling we might see the actual real first gameplay of Death Stranding. Nintendo is at Tokyo Game Show for the first time in a long time. Kind of. Kind of for since ever. Yeah. I mean, normally, it really never did Tokyo Game Show. No, they did Space World instead for a long time. And yeah. they stopped doing Space World and just stopped doing anything. They stopped doing Space World yeah. during the GameCube era. Yeah, the only thing I remember... I think the last Space World was when they showed that uh, that render of like Ganon and Link fighting each other. No, the last one was when they unveiled Wind Waker. Was that we it? We had already so got was, so the more realistic demo. Yeah. And then they did one more... Okay. And they unveiled Wind Waker, and everybody was like, was like oh "What happened my to the other God. thing?" God, yeah. like, yeah, what what happened? So, and that was the last one okay. that they had. <laughs> Wind Waker killed Space World. Yeah, so and look, Nintendo's not gonna be there. When I say be there, it means Nintendo just it, doing something the same right. week. It's, it's handling business at Tokyo. It's, it's it like, usually never even goes. No, it's like the it's like the the first time they showed the Wii controller right. was an event the same week as TGS yeah. that just happened to. It wasn't well, TGS. It was just. Oh, we're just going to do this. We know all you people are here. Why don't you guys here? come over? Yeah, it's like, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, so um, they're actually actively on the floor at the show working with third parties. Yeah, that is a first. That yeah. is a first. There's never been a Tokyo Game Show. So we'll see what comes out of that. Nintendo did release a new trailer for uh, the Switch Pokemon game. Let's go Pokemon. Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee. Mm-hmm. They put out a new tra- two new trailers for that today. The, the Japanese one was like four minutes long. The US one was like a minute and a half or two minutes long. So... Nintendo is putting out media to coincide, or maybe it was supposed to be in the Direct that was canceled this past week. Who knows? Um, But Nintendo is more active during TGS week, which could bear some fruit for Nintendo fans. Yeah, it also makes it a little less... A little less ridiculous, or a little less difficult, but that the direct was canceled, because there was a good good reason. Yeah. Well, yeah, the natural disaster, basically. Yeah. I mean... Uh, I mean, I think the roof was ripped off of one of mm-hmm. Nintendo's buildings. Yeah, they got some stuff to deal with. It was not yeah. a... That, that was the worst typhoon to hit Japan in, I think, 25 years right. or something. Yeah. Like, I was watching the, the video of it on Twitter, like, the night it was it was hitting, and it was like watching something out of a Godzilla movie. Like, just, like, buildings falling over and yeah. things collapse. I mean, it, was, it's, it looked fake. Yeah. It was so... It was so... Unbelievable. Catastrophic, yeah. it didn't look real. Yeah. So, we'll give Nintendo a pass, but it, uh, yeah. I think some of the stuff coming out of Tokyo Game Show was supposed to be in that direct. Like, for instance, Civilization VI is coming to Switch. That was announced today. I have a feeling that was probably supposed to be in the direct, and mm-hmm. because it was canceled, they just put it out on their own. So uh, so Nintendo's going to be there-ish. Uh, Project Judge was announced today. Project Judge is the next game from the Yakuza team, mm-hmm. and it's basically Yakuza with, like, investigatory... Yeah, it's, it's Yakuza plus Phoenix Wright. Yeah. There's and even a I moment am, in this I trailer... I am completely on board for that. <laughs> There's a moment in this trailer where he does the Phoenix yeah. Wright pose. Yeah, clearly. They, they're <laughs> definitely aware yeah, of, yeah. of the similarities. Absolutely. Um, and, like, the shocking thing about this is how fast it's, it's coming out this year in Japan and next year here. Is there a more prolific studio in the world right now than the Yakuza team? Cert- certainly not in, not in Sega's stable. I mean, stable. these I mean, games are gigantic, and somehow yeah. they manage to just crank them out. Well, I think I think part of They must have good funding or a large team or large resources to draw from because they're... 
if you're Sega, these guys have to be pretty much your most dependable team, yeah. right? Like these, everything they put out hits expectations or exceeds. Hits, hits their dates and hits expectations. And, yeah, I mean, these yeah. guys just just do it every time. And and you know, even when it, you know, I didn't think Yakuza Six was stellar, but it's still good. It is like, good. It's, yeah. You know, it's it's not the best Yakuza game, but it still hits the mark. And it's still polished and crazy large and yeah. has a really wide cast a really wide net like, it probably helps that they only they, they don't really have to build a new map half the time yeah but like <laughs> or a new fighting engine yeah well they did a couple you know there's there a new engine they have uh, with the new with the new engine they put in a new fighting system um which you can see in uh, i think it is even better in uh, kiwami 2 uh they'll get there but like, uh, and now they're getting the 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 remasters of three, four, and five. Yeah, uh, they just don't on. stop. No, three. I mean, the remaster of three came out last month. I think the remaster of four is due in Japan uh, in December, uh, or maybe January. And then we're supposed to get. Uh, we, uh, they haven't said anything about U.S. releases, but I think it's pretty much a given that we're going to get those eventually. That's yeah. Just a, the only question is probably Yakuza three because the Western release of Yakuza three cut out a bunch of the weird mini games, especially like Mahjong and. And uh, that kind of thing, because they didn't think the Western audience would care. And all the, all the Yakuza fans are like, "Why did you take our <laughs> yeah, things where's away?" Where's our Mahjong? So they would have to do a fairly ex- a fairly extensive like retranslation and re- restoration job to put Yakuza Three out here. But I hope they do because I would like to have all of them on one platform. The other thing I would say about Project Judge is some people may look at it and say, "Oh, well, investigating could slow the game down." But Yakuza already has those quiet moments. Yeah, I mean, it is a game of peaks and valleys. So I don't feel like with this fran- with you know this kind of franchise, and let's let's be honest, this is really a spinoff of Yakuza. Yeah, it won't like, have the name. Well, but... also look at it. I mean, it's it's wacky. There's yeah. weird stuff going on. Also, like I trust the Yakuza team to get the pacing of yeah. something right. Like, I mean, they they make like almost every one of the Yakuza games is is really at its core. It's about the characters and their relationships. But the plot is about a real estate deal, right? <laughs> and they manage to make it interesting pretty much every time. There's yeah. a, in Yakuza Three. There's a scene where a bunch of men sit, just kneel in a room, and discuss a property scam for like thirty minutes, and it's riveting. <laughs> like it, it's like it's like oh, so that's why all this is. It's like yeah. halfway through the game, and it explains all the weird shit that's been happening, uh-huh. and you're like, this is amazing. Of course, that's why they're doing this. And it's like in the end, you're like. Wait, that was just thirty minutes about how these guys want to buy this plot of land in Tokyo. Like that, yeah. it's incredible how they. It, it's all in presentation. You make it, you can make anything interesting if you present it properly. Exactly. And the Yakuza team knows that, so yeah. I, I, I I have faith in these guys. So there you go, Project Judge, and that's coming out in Japan next year. They've, I think they've confirmed it for the West, but haven't they announced did. a date for the West. I think they did. Did they? I, I saw two dates. I don't remember them. I think they said this year in Japan and next year here. That sounds that actually does sound right. Maybe they didn't say a date for here, but I think they got a. I think it's like December thirteenth or something here, which would make sense because they usually release some. That team usually releases well, usually releases a Yakuza game in December in Japan, yeah. but uh, this year I guess this is their thing. They're just cranking them out, and it looks good. It's pretty amazing. Uh, next up, Left Alive. This game is this game has actually been announced, but it was announced I don't know a year and a half ago. This is the game from Square Enix that is being developed by former Kojima, Ko- Koji Pro mm. dudes. I guess the folks he decided he didn't want to bring on <laughs> with him to work on Death Stranding, or those who decided they didn't want to work with him anymore. The leftovers. And uh, they, when they first debuted this game, it just had this very generic, like innocuous trailer that didn't show much. But now, finally, we're getting a look at the actual game. Yeah, I'd completely forgotten about this game. Yeah, everyone had, because they showed the first teaser trailer, and we never saw anything from it since then. 
this is not a Konami game. This is published by Square Enix. So it scooped up some of the guys from Konami's roster uh, to build a game for them. Uh, it looks very... In all honesty, even though I didn't know much about the game before, it looks exactly how I thought it was going to look. Yeah. Does it give you a Metal Gear vibe? It gives me more of a front mission vibe, yeah. frankly. I mean, I don't know if it's a strategy game or anything, but like, it, it feels like a front mission style take on mech stuff to me. Yeah, it doesn't seem to have the uh, the over the top characters that Metal no Gear the the has. melodramatic nonsense doesn't seem to be here. It seems to be more of a straightforward like you know soldiers and squad story Action game. Yeah. So I don't know. I, if it's got giant robots in it, I'll look at it. Like, but it feels like we're a long way off from needing to worry about whether we make a purchase decision. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. Uh, the recurring theme for this segment is going to be Project Whatever. We have three games that were shown that are Project mm -hmm. Something. The next one is Project Awakening. And this is a game from a Japanese mobile developer called Psy Games that had never made a console game before. This is his first ever console game. Mm. It, it's put like 20 times the budget into this game that it did into any of its mobile games. And I gotta say, it looks pretty darn good. Uh, can you think of any other developers that started in mobile and then moved to consoles? Mm. I can't think of any. I mean, did uh, Cappy Barra kind of do that? With Sword and Sorcery? Didn't yeah. that come out mobile first? And that wasn't that iPad first? Maybe. Yeah, maybe it did. But then they still don't have Blow Out, so right. they're not yeah. really... I mean, <laughs> so they, they did console ports of Sword and Sorcery. Super. Oh, no, they did Super Time Force. Oh, right. So, yeah, I guess yeah. they did that. I mean, unless they made something before that, I feel like Sword and Sorcery was the first that was on mobile first. This game is kind of a cross between Dark Souls and Monster Hunter. Mm. <laughs> surprise, surprise. I don't know what took so long for them to make one of these games because those are kind of the two hottest things right now in the industry. At least if, as far as games coming out of Japan, it's like the two hottest yeah. things. It also seems to be taking a page out of the Team Eco art design uh, aesthetic. Yeah. Like the, the, the lighting has a similar quality to like Shadow of the Colossus. Yeah. All things I'm 100% okay with. Yeah. A yeah. game with, with Team Eco's art, Dark Souls difficulty, and then the giant creatures from Monster Hunter. I mean, from a mobile developer, I think this game's looking pretty darn good. Yeah, I mean, it's going to come down to how it feels. Yeah, ultimately. That secret sauce. We'll see if uh, they can figure that part of it out. Uh, here's a surprise, Matt. Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles <laughs> is being remastered for Switch and PS4. We just talked about that game. Square has to put something out. Yeah, so. we just talked about this game, what, a few months ago? Yeah. We went on a little tangent talking about Crystal Chronicles. For those of you who don't know, this, this game originally started as a cooperative GameCube game mm -hmm. where you could play with GBAs connected to the GameCube with GBA link cables. Yeah, it was like this and Pac-Man Versus were the two. The only things that used it. The, uh, it, was, but it was the only things that really used it, but it was two years of E3 conferences with Nintendo just droning on about connectivity. 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 Yeah. connectivity. Oh, yeah. and the, the, the emphasis has to be on the first syllable. Connectivity. Connectivity. Yeah. connectivity. <laughs> yeah. And it's just yeah, like, a God, lot. like, are you just stop? I mean, Pac-Man Versus was a lot of fun, it but was, like, yeah. it wasn't worth buying four GBAs, all the link cables and all that. I mean, it was... The Crystal Chronicles definitely wasn't no. worth spending all that money on. The Crystal Chronicles, because like, Crystal Chronicles is also sort of a, 
like if you weren't around at the time, I mean, it probably you probably had to be our age to really be properly disappointed by this game because, because you had to have been a Final yeah. Fantasy fan from back in the Super Nintendo days, and then you had to, to live have gone through. through the PlayStation era where Final Fantasy moved over right. to PlayStation, and then at the beginning of the GameCube era, suddenly it's like, oh, Square and Final Square and Nintendo are back. I mean, there was a Penny Arcade comic about it. Where it was just it was just uh, Gabe wearing a hat that says Square and I think it was Square and Nintendo together again suck it yeah and it's just these two panels of them staring at the hat and then Gabe just says I got a new hat and like that's <laughs> that's how big a deal this was was that's all you had to say about it and then it finally like was revealed and it's a top down four player cooperative like game where one person has to carry a bucket constantly yeah. it's well amazing. what happened was Nintendo fans were very salty because. Yeah. Final Fantasy VII was originally announced for N64. And so a lot of people bought the N64, assuming they were going to get the next Final Fantasy on it. Square announces, and it was just Square at that point. It wasn't Square Enix yet. Mm-hmm. Square announces, no, we're going to put the next Final Fantasy on PlayStation. Nintendo fans are really pissed off because they had supported Square all that time. And there's a really good... I can't remember who did it now, but it was a really good feature. Was it Polygon? Polygon or something, it was, but it was it was a feature that came out uh, last year, I think, about it was inter- interviewing all the Final Fantasy devs. Oh yeah, it was Seven, Polygon, yeah, and like kind great. of it's the story of how Final Fantasy VII ended up on PlayStation, and like, yeah, if you want to know why Nintendo has third party problems and going it back twenty right years, there. yeah, go read that article because like you can that. find it on Sifted. Just go to Final Fantasy VII's game page and then sift the page by features, and it should be just one or two down because yeah, it's, it's they're really not, interesting. They're not doing a ton of features on Final Fantasy VII no, at this point, but it's so. really interesting in part because normally you don't see a lot of Japanese developers speak this candidly. Yeah, but I guess it's twenty years later, and, like, really no, and no one cares anymore. They're they're too old to, to care. <laughs> they're <laughs> like, I made my money. It's like and like. <laughs> And uh, they're just, they speak very frankly about yeah. what happened with Nintendo and Sony and them and, and how Nintendo reacted to Final Fantasy moving over to PlayStation and how they were basically told to never call them again for yeah. like four years. and like. Well, then what happened with this is, so you go through the whole N64 era, no square on N64, GameCube launches, don't hear anything, and then Matt Casamassina broke the story that Final Fantasy was coming to GameCube. Yeah. But nobody knew anything. Yeah, the idea of Final Fantasy having like a weird spin-off like this was not really part of the thought process at the time. And then and everyone's like, "Oh my god, Final Fantasy." And everyone trusted Matt cuz Matt broke right. every Nintendo story back then. Everyone's like, "Oh my god, what could it and be?" And he was very good at it. He was. Like he, was yeah. he did not report nonsense. He was. Yeah, he, he I think he may be coming back actually. I think he left Apple and he may be coming back to Games Journalism, oh, yeah? believe it or not, which is oh. awesome. Uh, but anyway, he broke Final Fantasy was coming to GameCube. And of course, it was just like a megaton bomb. Everyone's like, oh my god. And then as it turns out, it was, well, how did you describe it? A cooperative RPG where someone carries a bucket? Yeah, because the idea was like, <laughs> and I don't know why this was a thing. In it's it, so but, weird. But it was like, there's like a miasma or like toxic fog yeah. or something. And this bucket of magic bucket is what like creates the space you can move around without getting hurt. Yeah. And one player has, you know, not one all the time, but someone has to keep carrying the bucket with yeah. your group to keep your group alive. The game is not good. And it's just, no. It's, it's an annoying game. It's... It's not a, it's not that big of a story that it's they're remastering it. I don't think. I think no. a lot of people maybe will buy it and play it and be like, oh god. What? I mean, I'm sure there's people that like you know were were ten and ha- I mean yeah. ten and for some reason had four Game Boy advances <laughs> and a bunch of Link kit. That's yeah. the that's the problem with the connectivity thing was like, even when the ideas were cool. You had they're to have all unfeasible. this hardware for it. Yeah, like it, it's like you couldn't make... At the very least, you had to have three other friends with GBAs, and then they all had their link cables that only worked with the game, the GameCube and not each other. And yep. like, 
it was it was a complex complex process, and I even like there, I, you know, I had a group of friends that we love Pac-Man Versus when we played it, but we didn't play it that much because you had to set everything up. It was, it's not worth. It's it, like VR for me now. Right. It's right. like I see it under my TV in in the entertainment center, and I'm like, nope. Yeah. <laughs> I me, just don't want to drag I'm all like, those wires out and I'm reconnect. Just, I, I look everything. at the PlayStation VR, and I'm just like. You'll you'll come out when Ace Combat Seven comes yeah. out. Like I'll see you in January. That's well, it. Along with all the food in my stomach. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next up, Samurai Spirits, which is the new Samurai Showdown. Yep. A lot of people watching this may not even know what Samurai Showdown is, but it was honestly one of my all-time favorite arcade fighting games. It was really good. It, it was, was right up there for me with Street Fighter Two and and games yep. like that. I loved it. The characters were really unique and really different. A lot of them had like animals and things like that mm -hmm. that you could like bring in for support. And it was the it was the way game, ahead of its time. It was the game where I think because SNK kind of had a lot of Street Fighter cloning happening. World Heroes is literally just yeah, Street Fighter like with the, with the with the costumes mixed around. Uh, King of Fighters was like a spinoff out of Fatal Fury, and that was cool. Art of Fighting and the Samurai Showdown back in the day was like. This was the one where you're like, oh wow, they got some chops. Like, and no, yeah. no pun intended, because you are hacking at people with swords. But like, the characters all felt unique and and you know and, and original to the game. The combat didn't feel like anything else on the market. Um, it was visceral. It was it was fun. It 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 had great sound design. It was it was SNK's best thing of the time to me. You would also find them like not necessarily in arcades as much. But in like gas stations and yeah. convenience stores. Well, because the Neo Geo it, <laughs> setup was so modular and simple for anyone. Yeah. To, I mean, Seven Elevens had these things all everywhere. And I, uh, I think every arcade cabinet that I ever played this game on was a cabinet that had like the burns into the front yeah. in the in the shape of a cigarette, where yep. someone had just sat their cigarette and cigarette it just burned a stuff, valley yeah. into the top of the and cabinet. The, we had one, there was one at a 7-Eleven near my high school where uh, it was like one of those repurposed cabinets that had a cigarette burn like right there, and it was right where you rested your hand. Oh God. So like you would like, if you did, we weren't careful hitting the buttons, yeah. you would you would basically cut your palm open. Right, right. Thing. And like you'd complain to the people, it's like, fix the thing, they're like, mm, go, go Deal away. That, we don't, that's not us. That's some so dude the, that comes in once a week it takes all the quarters away. Samurai Showdown was also the first one was actually it was in the arcade comic shop uh, card shop porn rental place I worked <laughs> at when I was uh, in high school and um, it was a good store but like we would <laughs> have stop shop we would have big um, you know tournaments with NBA Jam and Mortal Kombat this was the only non Street Fighter Mortal Kombat NBA Jam game that the, 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 the like the regular customers would play yeah. against each other with any sort of like regularity, any sort of regularity or any sort of passion. Right. And like we would have the, the, the owner of the store was this guy named Larry, um, big jolly man, uh, who was a huge San Francisco Giants fan. Um, I never saw him without his Giants cap on. And he would play uh, Haomaru, the the main guy, you know, the main star. Of the, the one that we game. saw in the trailer. And yeah. he would just hammer away. He liked to play against me. He he would actually pull quarters out of the register and put two in. He's like, "Let's go, <laughs> we're gonna go." And because I could, he could never usually beat me. But uh, like Haomaru is so. I'm very he, familiar with that feeling. Haomaru's got a couple of like really strong slashes that like you know two or three and you're dead. Yeah, yeah. And so his thing was he's just gonna throw those I'm out until, catch I, you with until one I do eventually. something dumb and like <laughs> yeah. I try to get too fancy and I like, get and every yeah. once in a while he would kill me. A round. He, I don't. I don't think he ever really beat me in a match. But he would, yeah. if he won a round, he would. He, he killed me. He would turn around to the whole store and go, "Ha ha!" By the mighty gods of thunder, because he's a huge <laughs> Thor fan, and he would do that. And everyone's like, "Oh, Larry beat Matt." And he won a round. <laughs> won a round. You got another one, dude. 
<laughs> so that was that's my main memory of Samurai Showdown yeah. is, is my boss trying to beat me at it, and every time he did, he turned it into a giant thing, and every time I beat him, he just be like, yeah. Since bah. then, SNK has done everything within its power to completely destroy the franchise. Uh, there well, has two, not been a good Samurai Showdown in quite a while. Uh, two was good. I didn't like it as much as one, but I think you could make the argument that two has better mechanics. Uh, three was terrible. Four was meh. Five was... Um, Abysmal. Bleh. Like it, it, it just went... It went into a whole weird thing. It's was, lo- there, was a, it has, there was a 3D one that was yeah. terrible. The 3D like, one was the worst one. Um, so this seems to be like an attempt to kind of go back to the, the drawing board a little bit. I hope, because they need to. Yeah. But the franchise is there. It has great characters, great variety, uh, different mechanics from what you're used to in most fighting mm-hmm. games. Honestly, they could just make like a 2018 version of the first game, and I would be all over yeah, it. Yeah, I would buy a 4K redrawn Samurai Showdown 1, no yep. question. Yep. Uh, one last game from TGS to talk about, another project game. Uh, this one's called Project Prelude Rune. Whatever. <laughs> I don't know where the hat they pull all these project names out of for in Japan are, but like, at the very le- at least most of the guys that make games over there like eventually change the weird name to an actual title as opposed to Square. That well, just, it like, is annoying. It just goes us. ahead and calls something Infinite Undiscovery like it's a yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, this actually is a Square Enix game, and so oh, so we might actually get this as the title. This is from a brand new studio that Square just formed from. Well, not, not the entire team, but the leader of the team is a former prominent developer from the Tales franchise. Mm. And you can see it. Yeah, you can see that as well. But it's also, you can tell it's square because of how many belts they have on it. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. I don't know who it is. It's, I mean, it's Nomura. I know it's Nomura. Someone over there just, like, man, it's like, if you don't have enough buckles on your character design, you are not getting into this company. Yeah, absolutely not. So a new franchise from one of the lead developers from the Tales. Yeah. I like the Tales games. Uh, they're they're nothing to really write home about, but yeah. like they're they're. They, I've kind of burned out on them at this point. They are what they are. They do what they say. Um, <laughs> they are what they are. They do what they yeah, say. You, you're you're never not gonna get what you think you're gonna get from them. No, you're right. You know, yeah, you know what to expect, and it almost always delivers exactly what you expect. It's so. a very dependable middle of the road hamburger. It is absolutely so. That's the big stuff from TGS so far. Now, the show hasn't even started yet. It doesn't even start till like, Wednesday. Yeah. And then it goes Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then Saturday, big public days. Uh, most of the news will have broken by Friday, usually. At the least, There will yeah. be a stage show on Saturday or two that will break some news. But for the most part, by the end of this week, most of the big stuff should be out. Yeah, I mean, for the most part, I think people are just waiting to see if Death Stranding shows anything at all. Yeah. That'll be the big story. If we, know, if we know something that you do in the game other than hike with boxes on your back. Yeah. And like I said, we'll be curating all the stuff from TGS we already have. There's tons of stuff from Tokyo Game Show already on Sifted. So when the show's over, go and check it out. But now it's time to move on. And we're going to talk about a story. I talked when we, launched, when we started the show today, I talked about how we're not going to bury the lead. Burying the lead means the biggest story but you don't put it front and center. Right. And so we talked about Spider-Man, undoubtedly the biggest game of this week. We for talked some about reason, it it's spelled L-E-D-E. L-E-D-E, absolutely. Here's you know a... why that is? is that, what is that? I don't You're know. You're the journalism I major. do not know. I honestly do mm-hmm. not know, but it's always written that way mm-hmm. for whatever reason. But um, so here is an example some of a thing. gaming publication totally burying the lead. So VG247, we curate stuff for them all the time. They're great. They're really on it with the news. Uh, but they published a feature, and they don't publish many of these, but they published a feature last week about 
downgrades, video game downgrades, uh, showing a game and saying this is what the game looks like, the game ultimately comes out and it doesn't look that good. And buried within that story, they spoke to someone who had worked at Ubisoft on a variety of projects. And one of the quotes was, when they were working on the division, Ubisoft had a deal with Microsoft to make sure that the PlayStation 4 version did not look better than the Xbox One version for the division. Hmm. And consequently, Ubisoft essentially, for lack of a better term, throttled the graphics on the PlayStation 4 version of the division to keep Microsoft happy. Hmm. How do you feel about that, Matt? I didn't notice. You didn't notice? <laughs> Yeah. I don't even remember which version of The Division I played. I played the PS4. Yeah, version, so did definitely. I. Yeah, so did like, I. Because early on in the generation, like, everything ran better on a PS4. Yeah. Like, it was just default. Like, it, it only took one or two games where I'm like, oh, I guess I better just buy stuff on the PS4. Because it, I mean, resolution-wise and frame rate-wise, it was almost always better on the PS4. Um, Does this surprise you at all? Not especially. Um, really? <laughs> I mean, it's... It surprised the heck out of me. It's funny, because, like, this is sort of what, like, people complain about happening with PC games, where, like, because they have to run on the consoles. Right, like, right. They get held back right, or whatever, right. because, like, you know, PCs could be better. And this is, like, this is another good argument for, like, can you, can you not skimp on your hardware, people? So these can all kind of have a parody to them. Um, it's weird to me that Ubisoft would count out a Microsoft at that point because Microsoft was so far in the dumpster at that point that it felt like it feels like you would have no real reason to do that. To that deal was struck way, I think, way before any before of they the knew fallout. All that was, how that was yeah. going to turn out? Yeah. Um, I have a feeling it was. I don't know. Because like, otherwise, you're right. <laughs> Why in the hell? Would make, I mean, I'm sure. It's just, I'm sure that. it's like a bells and whistles thing, which is like not a, a huge deal to me uh, graphically. Like, I mean, sure, I like a I like a smooth frame rate as much as as much as the next guy. But like, like uh, when I played the Arkham games on Xbox One X, it took me um, like hours to figure out that like, wait, this is actually turned down lower in settings than it is on the PS4. Yeah. Like, there's no paper blowing around in the Xbox One X versions. Really? You know, in, in Arkham, in the Arkham games, like paper blowing right? around is yeah, like a yeah. big. That was like the physics thing, and all yeah. that. Like on the PC version, it's just like it's like someone just shredded newspapers before you got there all the time. Yeah. There's none of that in the Xbox One version really? of the remaster. It's gone. Because um, it had been taken out of the base Xbox One version. Yeah, because because that remaster is awful. And, uh, and instead they, of they them didn't, they using didn't the PC version for Xbox One X, they use the Xbox One version. Yeah. Well, the Xbox. Well, the Xbox One. And PS4 versions of Return to Arkham are completely remade games in the Unreal 4, and they're completely different from the PC version. The PC version still looks a little better in places, but there's like improved textures here and there, and stuff. some of it does look pretty good. But as the Digital Foundry uh, review that you, uh, you know, of it that you curated it says, it's basically turned down because of how they did it or whatever. Like it's turned down to settings below what you'd get maxed out on the PC. So a maxed out PC version is still going to be better looking than the supposed remaster on the consoles and on the Xbox. But, but again, I didn't notice that right. until I watched the Digital Foundry video and I was like, oh yeah, I guess that is true. But you know what? I still enjoyed the hell out of Arkham Asylum. Yeah. Um, and is it, is people, it, people, I mean, look, in general, people make a bigger deal about video game graphics than they should. Yeah, I mean, I for played a hundred hours of the division. People always hang their hat on that stuff. It's like it's just, it's a skeevy thing for Ubisoft to have done, but like who I, is worse though in this case? Is Ubisoft worse for doing this, or is Microsoft worse for doing this? Which one would you are you more angry at? I'd be more irritated with the Ubisoft because because they bow down and yeah, 
uh, for money. They, they bent the knee a little yeah. bit, and it's like, micro, I mean, I expect Microsoft and Sony and Nintendo to do whatever it takes to win. Like, yeah. that, that, that's, that's the business. Um, but Ubisoft doesn't have to play that game. No, you know? right. It's not like Microsoft is going to stop supporting Ubisoft games. Right. You can't do right. that. Yeah. They're too important. So they didn't have to. I would say I would put more of the blame on Ubisoft for that because, like, you don't have to do that. You could just tell them, like, look, we're going to make them as, as good as they can be on every platform, and you have to deal with it. And if you don't like that, maybe you should have made a system that was more powerful instead of putting all that crappy RAM in there. Consequently, I mean, Ubisoft is also the guilty party generally when we talk about downgrade gate or whatever. Right. Well, yeah. We yeah. The, the Watchdogs did set something of a tone. Yeah. Watchdogs was kind of the first game that was really found guilty of that, or at least yeah. was held up as the well, first example. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the term bullshot goes back to the, that Madden no, screenshot right. for the 360. Yeah. I um, mean, so you know, hell, you go back to the, the the original old Apple Commodore days and like or Atari days, and like you'd see like. You look on the back of an Atari uh, 2600 game, and they got they got screenshots from the 7200. Right. On it. You know, yeah. it's like they've always. You can't even get away that. with that legally anymore. No, I don't think you can do that anymore. But, but I remember buying Apple IIe games, and the screenshots on the back were all the Commodore version. Yeah. And like the Apple IIe game does not look as good as the Commodore 64 version. I promise you. So like, it's always been kind of a buyer beware market here. Do you think this is a case of something that's been going on for a long time, and it's just now been uncovered? I would think that this guy sort of mentioning it in that article sort of as an offhand thing would indicate that he's done it enough that he doesn't think it's anything unusual. Right. Yeah, that would be scary. my guess. I mean, that's my, my wild guess on that would be that... Because if it's not that commonplace, you would probably think twice about telling anyone about yeah, it, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, he doesn't work there anymore, though. Right. So he's off but the still, hook. But still, that's a, that's a bridge burned yeah. if you if you think that if, you know if, that, if you think that would be a bridge burner maybe you wouldn't do that because you never know when you're gonna have to go back to one of the biggest employers in the game industry it, here's the thing it doesn't bother me all that much because again it's negligible the difference between these yeah it's probably like the difference between this uh, this level of texture on this building or that or like you know the, the lod out this far versus this far right. it's not anything that would have stopped me from you know it's not i played a hundred something hours of Des division one it's not like i now want that time back because right, it right. didn't look but i feel like we should know though yeah like as a consumer you should know that you know what you you, you probably learned by now the ps4 is a more powerful console but we're creating parity here Mm -hmm. And they don't have to say we throttled the, I mean, that, you know, no, using you, you, that language, that's on me for using no, that you language. Just, but you just say, like, you know, oh, we've ensured that both platforms get the, the best. That they're identical. You know, that, you, know, that you have the equal experience no matter which platform you buy it on. Right. Everyone will have, like, the equal division experience. You, you couch it in the PR language and make it seem like a good thing. But in reality, you're kind of screwing the PS4 people who have more powerful hardware. Yeah, the doing it isn't. A pro that big of a problem for me it's not letting us know that you did it that yeah. is the problem because that's when it starts to get a little weird it's shady it's like yeah, it's shady there's no, for lack of a better term it's freaking shady for you to do something like that and hide it because a lot of their consumers have both consoles and just want to buy the best version mm -hmm. and you're not you're never going to know what the best version is until after the game is out and you get digital foundry reports or we talk about it on game face or whatever so uh I thought that was an interesting story, and I have a feeling that it's going on a lot more in the industry than we would want to admit. Mm -hmm. um, but there's nothing you can do about it either. No, I'm going to say the option, the other option is to not play the game. Right. Or to which, get it for PC. Which I'm not going to do. Or get it for PC. Right, right, yeah.
like PC end runs around a lot of these problems. But oh like, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But that's, there's a reason why you pay fifteen hundred bucks for a PC that can run stuff like right. this at four K or whatever. So those Ubisoft new, those new cards are coming out. Here we go. Ubisoft. I agree with you. I also blame Ubisoft more than than Microsoft. It's Microsoft's yeah. job to sell as many consoles as possible. I mean, that's yeah, that's what they're gonna do. It's like. It's like when people get upset about Microsoft paying, paying developers, you know, in the early Xbox days, paying developers to jump onto the Xbox train. Right. And it's like, but they're upset because they're taking them away from Sony. But it's like, that's exactly how Sony took them away from Nintendo. Exactly, yeah. Like, that's how you play the game. <laughs> that's how the like, game is played, yeah. You know? And so I don't fault Microsoft for doing that. Uh, UB, I feel like Ubisoft could have been transparent and explained, like, yeah. look, these games are going to be the same, and we did that on purpose. The, the and... Microsoft thing is like, hey, it doesn't hurt to ask, right? Right. You know, yeah. uh, we, it doesn't hurt to ask them to do a shady thing, but like, <laughs> that doesn't mean they have to do the shady thing. Yeah. And as long as we don't have to do the shady thing, right. we can just ask somebody else to do it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's freaking funny. Uh, so there you go. Ubisoft, once again, for whatever reason, always gets caught up in these graphical yeah. debates. I think part of it is just because they, A, they're so big. And B, they work so far ahead, and yeah. C, they're willing to show us that stuff. Yeah. Like, you know, they should, they, you know, Watch Dogs one, that Watch Dogs one early footage that was before anyone had announced any of the new systems, and they wouldn't even. No, we're just doing it. We're just you know working on this thing. We're just, and people would ask, is this the PS4 or is this? They're like, no, it's just it's just a thing we think it might the games might look like this one day. Right. And I was like, yeah. it was just like, come on, because it was yeah. a year. I think it was a year <laughs> before they, that anybody had even announced the new system. So yeah. like, Ubisoft likes to jump that gun and create some buzz, and this is the this is the cost. Like, yeah, you know, look look at uh, you know because from because mostly it works out for Ubisoft. Yeah, well, because they're they're a little bit it builds a lot of hype behind it builds games. hype, but it's also Ubisoft is a little too big to fail yeah. in terms of like how much stuff it has and how many you know must plays it puts out to the mainstream audience you know to the widespread yeah. audience whereas like you know and, and to the point that they're insulated from that enough that they don't really care whereas like look at someone like cd project red who's now super paranoid about putting early footage of things out because people still whine about witcher 3 not having the same lighting yeah you're right um so it's again there's a case of you know you're getting it's your fault that this is happening right if you weren't scrutinizing games before you should really be scrutinizing them, maybe CD Projekt Red isn't that way. Mm-hmm. If it didn't get vilified and, for, and for all, the, all the scrutinization, you didn't catch the division. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah. <laughs> How funny is that? All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about Battlefield Five. So right before I, uh, right when I got back, I, we published a play view for Battlefield Five based upon the beta. Um, for those of you who don't know, and a lot of people, for whatever reason, a lot of our patrons only watch Pactor Factor and Game Face. They don't watch any of the other content that we put out. So, for those Gu- of you who don't guilty. know, <laughs> uh, for those of you who don't know, Playview is. Oh, part of it is because I don't want to know what you think about things until we do this show. Yeah, sometimes. exactly. You got to keep the conversation pure. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, Playview is a video preview cross with a Let's Play. So. We'll tackle a lot of the nuts and bolts, like a well-cut video preview, and then we'll have a section of it where we just play the game and kind of show you what it's like to play the game. So for those of you who have watched the play view for Battlefield Five, some of my stuff is going to be redundant, but Matt has also played the beta, and we're going to talk about our Not a ton, because I was busy web-slinging. Yep, understandably. I played, I played a few matches. Understandably. Uh, there's, this Battlefield Five has got a lot of negative press. Not even press, really. Just... Negative community sentiment. Chatter. Negative chatter. Negative, negative internet chatter for a variety of things that we're not going to go into. But I will say that because of that, I kind of gone into this beta 
not assuming it wasn't going to be good, but my expectations were lowered a mm-hmm. notch. And I hate that it, that it impacted me. The fact that internet hive mind had an impact on my excitement to play a game, but I'm not, I'm not going to lie either, and it absolutely did. So my expectations for Battlefield Five were pretty low before I played it. And now that I've spent a good 15, 20 hours with the beta, it was all unfounded because it's Battlefield. Hmm. I, you know, I, I, again, a lot of the stuff that people are complaining about was just weird, like cultural, political BS or whatever. But now that I've played the game, it's a good Battlefield game. Yeah. Would you agree with that? Um, yeah. I mean, I, I wasn't that thrilled about it because I don't care about multiplayer shooters. Um, but I'll play. I like Battle Battlefield is probably my favorite of the multiplayer shooters in the long, you know, in the long run taken as a whole series. Like I've had the most fun playing Battlefield of all the military shooters, I would say. Um, and I was I was pleasantly surprised by this. I th- I think it looks really good. Um, I think the changes they made to this with like the non-regenerating health. I, I think that all worked somehow. Like. Like I was expecting it to be, and maybe there will be people that find a way around it or whatever. But but when I was, you know, we'd see you'd see people like you know enemies like way down there, and you'd take some shots, and they would take cover, and like the firefights were really like these cat and mouse kind of like. There's no rebounding health. No, it was, and but I mean you can get health pretty easily if you have people, you know, squad mates that are, you know, now the squad spawning is fixed, it works a lot better. But like you know, it's not that hard to get more ammo and more health when you have when you have people you're playing with that are good or or, or conscientious, I should say. Um, but like. The combat with the enemy feels dangerous. It feel it doesn't feel like this sort of like run, 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 time to kill, death. Oh, gotta get back Hide. up. Hide. It doesn't. It, it's not like <laughs> Sit that call behind of, this dumpster. It's for not like that Call of seconds. Duty thing where it's just like you know people just running into grist mills over and over. Yeah. Like it feels like you know you can it's get out, you can survive for sure. And like you know they keep you know you can keep people's heads down with covering fire because you know you're so vulnerable to being hit and like not being able to get your health back immediately. Like I think it all works. It felt like a a back and forth like like you know battle and like. Once in a while, you know, most of the maps I ended up on were like the city maps, so there wasn't a lot of vehicle stuff. But when a when a tank would roll in, like it changed everything. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> you run for a cover, so man. I, so I see that tank rolling in, you just run. It was. I mean, my favorite thing about Battlefield through the years has been just that it's it's the series where the crazy shit happens. It's yeah, like yeah. You never know. You know, some guy's gonna just gonna drive in in a jeep loaded down in C four and ram into the thing. Or know. kamikaze yeah. you in a plane when you're at a control point. And so like I haven't seen a whole lot whole of squad there. Yeah. So I haven't seen a whole lot of that in this because I think I've just been getting you know less crazy maps but i've been pretty there's only two maps right now. i've been pretty happy with uh with kind of how the gameplay flows and how it's different from just sort of running in a circle and hoping that somebody doesn't spawn behind you yeah um it all it worked for me I, how do I was, you feel about the it. new bleeding out because that has been the biggest criticism and i will i will actually agree with a lot of people that the bleeding out they need to find a solution to the downtime because there are times where you die and you just there's no one around you know no mm-hmm. one's going to revive you and they can't spawn on you once you're down so you're just out in the middle of nowhere and the enemy's like teabagging you you mean make it even faster than the whole there LT? should be a button that you can press to just immediately respawn yeah. the way it is now you can hold r2 if in i'm talking about the playstation 4 mm-hmm. obviously you can hold r2 to bleed out more slowly if you think someone's going to be able to help, get to yeah. you and it'll call for help and then you can hold L2 if you want it to go, if you want it to burn faster. Mm-hmm. But there's no button you can press to just immediately respawn. And so there's, 
even if you hold and the, then even when you do that you still have to wait like seven seconds to respawn on it's someone else. still yeah it's still really slow it didn't bother me that much just because like if you hold it i think it takes like two or three seconds to bleed out it takes um, longer than that it didn't seem to take longer than that to me i, I don't know I, I it, never, it felt it never, longer than that to me and it seems like most other people it never it never that was not a thing that that bothered me um maybe it would if i played it long enough though yeah, I mean, again, I played it for like 15 or 20 hours, and it definitely started... The better I got at it, the less tolerant I was of it, mm. I guess. Is once Because you start to understand, hey, I'm not going to be revived here, or I have a chance to be revived here. You start to understand the flow and how the squad spawning works, and you start to know like immediately when you die whether you're going to be revived or not, is what I'm getting at. And the game doesn't let you make that decision for yourself. It's saying, no, 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 we want you to lay there just in case. And to be fair, the whole game is built around squads. Yeah. Which is something I feel like Battlefield kind of got away from for a while. And Definitely. I'm glad that it's gone back to that because, it, just like you said earlier, that is one part of Battlefield that really sets it apart. There's no squads in Call of Duty still. And the whole squad dynamic, which was first introduced in Battlefield 2, which completely changed the franchise, has changed shooters in general forever. I mean... Mm -hmm. But still, Battlefield has that special, unique sauce that makes it feel a little different than other games. But I understand why they're doing it, because they want to incentivize you to make sure that you have at least one medic in your squad. But, you know, you can hope all you want. In reality, that's not what happens. Most squads I was in, almost all of them were assault guys, because mm -hmm. people want to get kills. And... We had a pretty good. I had a pretty good mix in the matches. Yeah, that was what I didn't play a ton of matches because the matches are like forty minutes long. They're, like they're so really long. long. I mean, and again, that's kind of been a battlefield thing all yeah. along. and it might also be just sort but of the a, commitment a, a, a is just mode thing. It's not. Like, it's no? not. No. There's no like quicker. I mean, version. in the beta so far, no. Not in the beta, not. but I mean, in the final game, there might be more. Maybe jump in and jump out sort of thing. But like this, I mean, was, I mean you can that was, jump in and jump out as you but this, want. Yeah, but this is a, if you want to keep your XP or whatever, right. it's a commitment. Oh, it's it's insane. I mean, I played a match that was almost an hour long. And every time it comes down to like the last seven freaking tickets, like like every match I played was like a. A, almost a sudden death thing. Really? Every time. Like, it, oh, we, I hardly it, ever played any close games. We, we, I think my, I played like four or five matches, and I think I, every one was like five to nothing, five left, zero, five to zero, really? or four to zero, or seven to zero. I mean, oh, man. it almost came down all, to the wire every single time. Almost all mine would end with like a hundred plus tickets. No, even team. even when it was like we had deficits of like, oh, we're like a hundred tickets. You come back. Like they came back. Yeah, I play, I, I just got lucky. I got was got some good you squads. Did. Because I got guys who were resurrecting me all the time. We were bringing people back and like. You know, it, no, we had no voice chat. There was no, no one, no one was on no voice one. chat. But we just, there was a couple squads where, especially yesterday, I had a squad where like, we just clicked pretty well. Like it was, if I cared at all, we probably that has traded not been tanks. my experience at all. In fact, one of my biggest complaints about the game is that you join a server mid match, and almost always when you join, you join the losing team mm. because no one's gonna leave the winning team because they want to get their XP. But if you're getting your butt kicked, you leave. It opens up a slot, you get mashed into that slot, and you join the game, and you're like 200 tickets down, right. and there's still like 40 minutes left in the match or whatever. <laughs> it's Battlefield is never going to be the pick-up-and-play shooter mm. like Call of Duty is, and I like that about it. But there, you have to find a happy medium. Like I feel like they need to drastically lower like the number of tickets per match. Like 30 minutes I can tolerate per match. Even then, I think that's pushing it for the average player. But you get over 30 minutes. I mean, that's just, that's insane. Yeah. I, 
I also don't think you level up fast enough to warrant that kind of time per match. No, you're right. Like, you, if you're good, like, my best matches, when I was low level, I could maybe gain a level per match. But that's still, that's a level for an mm. hour of playtime. I was getting, like, two levels per match most of the time, which was okay. But then you think about it, that took me an hour. And, like, mm, <coughs> it's just a lot of time. And the way the upgrades work in this, like the way the loadouts work, it's like you're not, like your guns, like in Call of Duty, they do a great job. They called it gun porn for a while with Call of Duty, snapping all your attachments on with your pick 10 Mm -hmm. system. In this, all the attachments in the game don't actually affect the performance of the gun. They're all cosmetic. So if you get a new, uh, like, sight, or you get a new stock, or a new barrel, or a new grip, it's all cosmetic. It doesn't actually affect how the guns work. Well, the sight seemed to make a difference in that I could see what I was aiming at. The better. sight is the only thing. But so you can have like an iron, like an iron sight, or you could have like a, a red, like not a red mm-hmm. dot. Like I had like a yellow dot sight. Mm-hmm. I had a. There was a thing where I don't know what happened. But again, that's but cosmetic. I died one time, though, yeah, but one time I died, and I and the guy resurrected. One of my squad mates resurrected me, and, and I his got gun. his gun. Yeah, it what happens that to about? me all the time. I don't know, is but that I'll, an error? I'll get revived, and I'll have the medic's gun. I don't know why. It happened to me all the time. Because I was like, oh, I like this gun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's the medic's gun, just so okay. you know, if you want to equip it later. But yeah, so it's very different from most shooters in 2018 in that you don't build a relationship with your gun unless you're into gun cosmetics. Hmm. And then there is like it's a... It's more about the character or is, that, is there any... There's nothing to... So there is a skill tree. Mm-hmm. Um, but that just affects overall things. Like, I think it's, like, firepower, and I can't remember what the other one was because I selected firepower. Uh, but there are trees, so they start at the top with, like, two options, and then it breaks open, and there's two branches that go down. Mm. And one is for, like, power, and the other one, I can't remember what it is. It's slipping my mind right now. But even those are pretty restrictive. So there's not so much with the character development or the weapon development in this game. It's really, it's really just about having fun, which... Hey, hard to argue with that. I mean, I like this better than what I played of the Black Ops 4 beta. I agree with that. Um, I agree with that, definitely. It felt more concrete. It felt a little more like there was some sort of, like, give and take happening with with the... you know, the battle happening on the map, uh, it all it all felt more, I don't know, it felt more real. It Substantial, didn't, yeah. Yeah, it didn't feel, it didn't feel like just like, there's just something about the Call, call of Duty that feels like way, it feels slippery and It's snack food gaming. Weird. Yeah. That's what Call of Duty is. It's empty calories. Yeah. That's exactly what Call of Duty is. And I, I'm in certain moods, I want that. I want to live and die in 30 seconds and respawn and mm-hmm. go right back into the fray and... But this is certainly a far more thoughtful, substantial, calculated. Yeah. There's just strategic. things where, like I was. There was a thing where we were behind a bunch of boxes, and these guys were in like a little shop front, and we were trying to hit. We couldn't hit them. And this other guy, one of this other guy from another another squad, runs up with an RPG and shoots it and blows the front of the store off. And suddenly, there's just three guys sitting there, like behind yeah, where they yeah. were, and we just go. <laughs> and, like, take my, and I'm like, that was awesome. Like, that, oh, that's the damage the kind of, is amazing. That's the kind of stuff that I love that, like, just Call of Duty doesn't give me that. Like, I run a, run behind the tanks in this game instead of getting in them because the tanks will just blow through, like, the mm-hmm. walls or just run into a building and the whole thing will crumble. And like you said, there's just dudes, like, <laughs> laying, like, on their bellies. I mean, the other thing that I like about uh, Battlefield that you don't get in a lot of other games is the traversal. The traversal mm-hmm. was way better. Um, whether you're talking about just 
vaulting over objects or running very quickly over complicated terrain or just how you can go prone. And, mm -hmm. the, and that has a damage thing now where like yep. you take more damage when you're running and you take less damage when you're prone. Yep. Which is a pretty neat And also you, when you go prone in this game, you can go on your back which mm -hmm. is something you can't do in most shooters. You can get on your back and you kind of use your knee as a tripod, and that also helps with the damage and the aim. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is just a more complex, thoughtful shooter than Call of Duty, and there are certain times in life where I want that. But I think the overarching theme that I got from playing this beta is that this game is fine. It's yeah. a battlefield game. It's not broken. Having women running around on the battlefield doesn't seem weird. It doesn't change anything. If anything, I like that the game is just a little bit stylized. Mm -hmm. There's just a little bit of a different look to this game than there is to most military shooters. And I also appreciate that it mostly uh, stays realistic. It's like with Call of Duty, they'll do something in World War One or World War Two. And they'll figure out some way to say, oh, yeah, we there were still heartbeat scanners back then. Right. Yeah. But it's this convoluted kit that you have. Yeah. They don't do it that It has here. bolts on it. Right. So it's yeah. old. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. They don't do that here. They're just like, no, you that stuff didn't exist yeah. back then, and we're not going to have it in our game. And so for authenticity, realism, uh, more strategic a more strategic bent mm -hmm. it's for a different kind of player but you can still get the same thrills that you get out of most other yeah. shooters so. I, like, I mean the more and more i feel like uh especially in light of the announcement that the fourth part of the campaign isn't going to come until after launch yeah it feels like this game should have been pushed to next year yeah um it feels like something happened. They're way behind on a bunch of things well battle royale's not coming at launch yeah, either so there's two big modes that aren't going to be there like, I just don't, I but mean... But Conquest is going to be there, and that is what the bulk of people spend their time yeah, playing with Battlefield. But, I, you know, for someone who... I, I, I'm more interested in the campaign uh, for most of these, even though DICE doesn't do the best campaigns. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm interested in the Battle Royale mode. I don't know. I'm, I'm curious how it's going to work with its... Because you know, it's squad-based. So, it's like yeah. I think it's like 16 squads of four. Yeah. Um, I'll try it. <laughs> It'll be something a little different. Yeah, um, and I think you know the mechanics of this game will make it interesting in the way that PUBG is interesting in terms of like, you know, instant death is so plausible that like you have to be on your toes all the time. Like yeah. I think it can, I think it can handle that. So we'll see. Um, I do. I am I gonna? Are you more hopeful or less hopeful after playing the beta? More, uh, but at the same time, I still feel like this might not be the wisest launch day purchase yeah. of all time. You know, it feels like not even just in the sense that like. It's not done. There's something wrong with it, and I'm not done. But in the sense that, like, I feel like it probably is going to need to take a few patches to bake. Maybe probably. I'll wait until they're done putting all the content out and see yeah. how that goes. But, like, I, do, I don't see this being a launch day title for me. It's just... Especially when you start thinking about the competition that's bookending it. Yeah, I mean, it, well, it doesn't matter that much anymore because they delayed it a month. But, like, uh, so it's not going to be smack dab between Red Dead and right, Call of Duty right. anymore. But it's still in a very busy area yeah. and you know it's not like i i am burning to play the multiplayer immediately so like i could see myself kind of just sort of letting this one slip away until sometime q1 but even then that's so you know this might end up being like a summer game next year for me just because it's and i mean the thing about it is the community will still be there yeah there'll still be yeah. plenty of people to play with of course they'll be really good at that point <laughs> like True. really good I went back and tried to play Battlefield 1 a few months ago, and I played two matches, and I was like, I'm outie. Like, you yeah. guys 
are way too good for me. I tried because the that. maps come out and they yeah. know all the maps, and like I only remember the maps from launch and only kind of remember them. I tried to do that with Battlefront too a little while ago. Like, yeah, people have learned some tricks. They sure have. Yeah. <laughs> And you would have too if you had kept yeah. playing it, but we just we just can't. So, all right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about Anthem. So we just we, I just asked you, okay, about another EA game and out playing the beta. Did you like it more now? Do you like it less? Are you more excited, less excited? Anthem to me has just been on a steady decline in hype ever since we first mm-hmm. saw it. Anthem's lucky that I have such a boner for Iron Man suits. <laughs> That's really the status right now. It's and, like. It's like, you're going to let me fly around in an Iron Man suit? Like, you, you you can get away with a lot. Yeah. But, like, I don't know. I, the, honestly, the thing that is that is propping Anthem up the most right now in my in my mind is how badly Bungie is screwing up Destiny 2 right no. now. Where they're, they're, push, they're pushing Destiny 2 back to being more of a PvP-focused thing. Yep. And there is no faster way to get me to jump ship. We'll be um, talking about... So, uh, Forsaken next week. I actually have it. I just have not had time to play it. I uh, haven't touched it. So no. next, well, it doesn't come out till Friday, right? Well, I mean, I haven't touched Destiny Two in forever. Uh, okay. Yeah, I haven't either since launch. But I, I do have Forsaken. I loaded it up for the last expansion, but then I couldn't play the expansion because I wasn't high enough level. Yeah, that's my and big by, problem with those. And games by the done. time I got to the level that I was able to play the expansion, I didn't care anymore. <laughs> Well, I am going to play Forsaken. I got so now I got to play it. the expansion. I guess that'll be what I do while I wait for Forsaken is I'll play the, the expansion of Destiny 2 that I didn't play before. There you go. Let's get back to Anthem, though. So looking at the data on Sifted, we can look at a game and we can say, okay, typically debut trailer, huge, and then a, a steady curve down until it gets closer to launch, and then the views start ramping up. Mm-hmm. But if I compare the views of Anthem content on Sifted to most other games, the the fall has been far more severe from launch day. And it has not shown signs of starting to the, go to that upward trend as it gets closer to launch. Well, it's still got a ways to go. Eh. But, uh, not really, though. Eh, February. There's a lot of, a lot of st- stuff between here then and now. Yeah, but... And they haven't really put much out. I mean, at least not that I noticed. Well, a lot of the stuff that you see for the game looks redundant with what you saw before. Right. And so they are putting stuff out. It just doesn't look that different from what right. they well, showed. Well, that's kind of the also the problem they have, I think, is like my, you know, my thing with Anthem here is like, well, the next step I have for Anthem is, well, I got to play it. Yeah. Like, I don't, like, you can show me all, all of this other stuff you want to show me, but it's like until I get my hands on it and see how it feels, I don't, my opinion on it is not really going to evolve any further. Well, maybe this will evolve your opinion. It was the EA announced this week that all the story DLC for Anthem is going to be completely free. Yeah, cool. And look, EA s- EA says that, and Bioware says that that's because they want their user base to be unified. But do you think that's why, or do you think that EA is trying to do some damage control for Bioware? Uh, that might be some of it, but I think most of it is that they are counting on their microtransaction system to <laughs> make up uh, make for enough that. money that they don't have to charge for the expansions. <laughs> That's possible. Uh, Just a guess. Now remember, Titanfall Two gave away all its DLC for free. Yeah, but I think I chalk that up to respawn being respawn more yeah. than anything else. But I mean, it's Bioware. Bioware's a good company, man. It is, but like Bioware, I think is not in a position to call shots the way Respawn was. Yeah. Um, and now Respawn wouldn't be either because Titanfall 2 did not do very well. Yeah, exactly. But um, 
I don't know, part of this is probably just EA trying to find its feet in this in the aftermath of the loot box thing not working out for them. Do you think, that's what was really my question. Is this EA just trying to create a make good? I don't know about a make good. I think they're just trying to find the equilibrium between making the money that their stockholders expect them to make and not pissing off people. You well, know? 2K this week came out and said, oh, microtransactions and uh, loot boxes are here to stay because some people, and here's what they said, or it said, because some people just don't want to go through the grind. Mm. So what's your first response to that, Matt? Sure. No, I mean, no, your first response should be, then don't put the grind in the well, yeah. game. But like, otherwise, there's no reason to keep playing. Because there's, there's two reasons. <laughs> it's so weird. There's two reasons to keep playing, the grind or content. Right. And you're, they run out of content, so that's when you get to the grind. Right. Like, that's so, but they, that's you... why I stopped playing these games. Right, that's why I stopped too. playing The Division. Yeah. You know, like, it's, it's why I stopped playing the first Destiny. Yeah. And it's why I stopped playing the second Destiny. And it's why I stopped playing The Division. So it's a con. It's that they're bereft of new content. That's really the problem. Mm-hmm. It's not that people don't want to keep playing them. They want to. They don't want to keep playing the same crap over and over and over again. So the solution should be for these publishers and developers, let's give them more content, not let's let them pay to avoid playing the same crap over and over again. Their their perspective, their their mm-hmm. position on it is just completely wrong. Well, it's not wrong though because it works. It works, right. Like, so maybe so we're wrong. I don't think we're wrong. <laughs> I just I just approach it differently like whereas someone else might grind away or pay money to avoid the grind i just stop playing the game you know like that's, yeah. that's the third option is you stop playing the game well, until, that's what I always until new content shows up which yeah. is what i've been doing with destiny but because but like you said a lot of times when that new content comes out and you haven't been grinding all along you can't even yeah. consume the new content well to be fair the reason that happened for me was because i didn't play the first expansion Right, but they did two things, and then two things came out, and I was too too behind, and so that's why I wasn't at the right level. But don't you think the publishers should look at that and be like, "Well, that's wrong." Like, Matt Kyle wants to buy and play this; he can't. Well, Matt Kyle was dumb enough to buy the expansion, the the, the, <laughs> the season pass when he bought the game, so they don't need to, they don't need to worry about me. <laughs> they already, they already got, got you. me. <laughs> but me, like, I would like to play some of these expansions, but you can't if you haven't been grinding along. And basic, I mean, basically what they expect you to do is just buy into everything they're selling. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, you get squeezed out. And yeah. I feel like... Well, because they're after the people who, like, you know, that's what they play. It's not like, like oh, I'm, I finished Destiny, and I'm, or I finished Anthem or whatever, and now I'm going to move on. No, they want someone who's... I'm that's a what Destiny I do. player. I play Anthem. Like, that. What do you play video games? No, I play Anthem. Uh-huh. Like, I go home at night and I play Anthem. And are there like, that many people now that are like that? I mean, they're still they're chasing the World of Warcraft model, you yeah. know, like the idea. You know, World of Warcraft for a long time, there's people like I knew people that that's did not play. play video games, but they played they War, play World, World of Warcraft. Warcraft yeah. You know, like that was what they did, um, and that's what they want. And I think Activision uh, certainly remembers that and enjoyed it. And uh, game, you know, publishers like EA see that and would love to have that. Would love to have some kind of thing like that, but it's hard to come up with a model for that because you can't just do another MMO because that's over. Yeah. Um, you know, the the big money makers right now are uh, are the, the are free to play games. Free to play games <laughs> with ton, you know with the tons of microtransaction yeah. stuff, and like that's not really how EA rolls because you're not going to make make something on the level of production value that EA. You, know, you can't make Anthem free. 
because you're already putting too much money and effort. I have a it. feeling in the not too distant future we're going to start seeing games like Anthem, like EA sports games, mm-hmm. becoming platforms. Yeah, I mean, but like you're like you're free sort of, to play. But the problem, part of the problem with that is like you know if you if whoever takes the first risk on a free Destiny or a free Anthem equivalent, you're betting the company. Yeah. If it doesn't work, it depends on how big the company is. Yeah, but, but if it doesn't work, that's the end of it. Like it's, yeah. it's a huge, and I guess you always fall back risk. on we'll sell it at first and then we'll make it free to play. Right, that's that seems exactly to be it. like what they do. They're like, well, we'll test the waters trying to sell it, and if people don't want to buy it, then yeah. we can always like hedge our bets and Absolutely. make it free. But you know what? That hardly ever works because once people have figured out that pe- other people don't like a game, I don't think they're going to play it even if it's free. It might. It works for stuff like Fortnite when it's free right out of the gate, and people are like, oh my god, this is free, and it's so mm. awesome. Well, there's certainly still like a, and certainly in the in the core community that pays attention to that kind of thing. There's still going to be that attitude like, oh, well, you had to start giving it away. It must not be very good. Yeah. Um, so the idea of reaching critical mass that way is is if it's not impossible, but it's pretty unusual. Um, and then, of course, you can't predict something like Fortnite. Yeah. Because that's the pro- that's the problem I think with with something like, like EA is like they're trying to manufacture like a money machine. Yeah. And instead of just putting out, you know, it's instead of just putting out like good content that then makes a certain amount of money to justify making that kind of thing again, they're trying to make something that just constantly feeds money into the machine. Yep. And you you can't force that. Like you can't predict. It just it. happens. It just happens. Yeah, it catches it on and it works. Yeah. And you can't, you know, Blizzard didn't know World of Warcraft was going to do that. Yeah. You know, if they had, they probably would have put more microtransactions yeah. there. Yeah. No one did that because it was 2004. Well, they all didn't exist yet. Yeah. yeah. Well, you wanted a subscription out of them. Yeah. Um, and like, and, and that be, I think one of the reasons subscription models became infeasible, infeasible was because people kept playing too many things. Yeah. You didn't want to commit to something anymore. That was, I that was don't. A, I still don't. That was a flash in the pan. That was a thing you couldn't really come back from. It was a different time. It was in, the world has moved on. And now you want something that keeps people coming back over and over and over again. But I think EA is maybe feeding in too much into the mobile psychology of the, the, the which makes sense because psychology. that's where it's making all its money right exactly <laughs> so you've got shareholders yeah. that are demanding why aren't why aren't the why the isn't this model making why aren't you using this model on all your stuff yeah and the reason is because uh that model is a psychologically exploitative piece of shit that only works on games that aren't really anything except like filling a bar and if you try and to it apply only it works to, on people who don't know better right and if a you lot try of mobile apply, gamers aren't gamers like we are they're like Hey, or I kind of liked video. I used to play or Pac-Man just something or, to do. or whatever. Like yeah. it's just a thing a to do. Killer. It's, a, it's yeah. like a it's a fidget spinner for yeah. your wallet. Yeah. And like <laughs> and like you know, people that come to Anthem don't aren't interested. You know, you're not playing a Bioware game for that. I don't. I don't. Yeah, I, don't. I, don't I didn't start playing Mass Effect thinking, well, this is the only game I'm going to play for the next two years. Right. Like that's not a thing that I yeah. want out of a Bioware game because at a certain point the story's got to end. That's also not what Bioware's good at. No. Well. It's like they're misappropriating the talents at that studio. Yeah, and like they're not, you know, there was an article uh, recently about uh, one of the, I think the creative director on uh, SWOTOR, on the Old Republic, and he talked about how he wished he could make, he could have made Old Republic more crazy, like weirder and more, you know, different and, and gone out, colored outside the lines a little more. But EA was very insistent that it has to be World of Warcraft with lightsabers. Right. And so it was. And I liked Swotor a lot. But, like, watching him kind of, you know, like, lament this game that was in his head that he didn't get to make, 
I feel like you're, they're sort of shoving Bioware into that box right now. This doesn't feel like something that lends itself to Bioware storytelling chops, and it doesn't feel, it feels like you're just sort of like, and I might be completely wrong, like, I don't know, you know because I haven't, I haven't played it like that, but like, I feel like the idea of going out on these missions, and then when you come back into your solo instance, that's when you get the story tidbits, it feels like you're just sort of trying to shove the Bioware pedigree into this destiny model that you think is your key to this ongoing, like, microtransaction bonanza, and it's just, it just feels like it's going to end up being too manufactured. Here, here's the thing. This is a good thing. Like, the fact that all the story DLC is going to be free oh, yeah. in Anthem is good. I feel like we, we've diverted, and we're making... It also makes you wonder how much of it there's going to be, because there was free right. story DLC for Battlefront 2, and it was one thing. Right. That's a good point. And it wasn't yeah. very good. And they haven't said... How, well, actually, maybe they did say. I thought maybe they said there was going to be four pieces or something like maybe. that. I mean, that would make sense to have more for this because it's Bioware. Yeah. I mean, regardless, but, it's a good thing. And I feel like our our conversation has gone down into a negative place. Yeah. But ultimately, this is good. Regardless of why, EA is going to give us it's, something for free that sure, we probably good, expected but, we are going to have to pay for. Well, yeah, but it's like... I don't know. It's just you just you just know the, you're the conditioned with inner the, machinations of right, why it's happening. We're conditioned yeah. both from EA and both just because from in general the big publishers. Like, okay, you're giving us this thing for free. What's the catch? Right. Like, yeah. what's the what's the way we're gonna have to actually pay out to you know counterbalance this thing you're giving us? Well, it's like the old thing: fool me once, shame on you; fool me mm-hmm. twice, shame on me. And you and don't want to have that second time where it's right. Your... And the question just becomes like, well, is the free DLC gonna be worth it? Worth putting up with whatever the what the negative the balance offset. Is. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. So we'll see. I mean, I have, I do still have faith in Bioware. I hope so. I mean, but the question becomes, how much power does Bioware still have? I have faith in Bioware Edmonton, but they're making Dragon Age Four. So yeah. I don't know what's happening. I know it's basically all hands on deck for Anthem right now with all Bioware, which offices. could never hurt. But because um, I feel like this is a big a big thing for them. Like, yeah, if this absolutely. Does, if this doesn't work, well, after Andromeda, yeah. This, yeah, this could it be, could be bad. It could be a bad thing. And I do yeah. not want to see Bioware go away. I do not want to see EA hand those properties off to someone else. Oh, they wouldn't. They just throw them in a vault. We never see them again. <laughs> yeah, that's what EA does. You know that. It's, it's, Close yeah. the studio and. I mean, do you? I mean, look. look throw away at, the key. Look around. Look at like the kind of money Elite Dangerous made and the kind of money Star Citizen is still making. Do you really think that there's no market for a high-end Wing Commander reboot? Yeah. Are you serious? Do you really think that there's no hunger for that? Well, there is. But what have they done? Nothing. nothing. Yeah. Nothing. They closed studios, throw away the key. Didn't even put out remasters, didn't even... Nothing. I mean, you can buy them on GOG, but you've been able to do that for years. Well, just look at Command & Conquer. Well, what? You don't want the mobile game? I mean, th- for 10 that's minutes a property that is still viable, people still want. And... I mean, you could even do other genres with Command & yeah, Conquer. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Could, they people did love Renegade. the characters. Yep, they absolutely. Could, they, there's, there's room there. They, they have tons of properties they just sit on. And now you've got... Now these guys are trying to make Starflight 3... A fig. Yeah. Again and again. People don't know. <laughs> so funny. So I, I'm actually holding out hope that this is all good and the story DLC is going to be significant. And even if there are microtransactions in Anthem, I'm not going to care. I'm not going to have to pay for them. And I'm still going to be able to play the whole experience and get through all this. Like, I wish Destiny's stuff was free. Yeah. That'd be God nice. Godforsaken sure isn't free. No, it's not. I mean, if you bucks. start adding up, like, all the Destiny 2 stuff, you're all in for, like, 200 bucks. Yeah. It's crazy. So... I just want to pump the brakes a little bit. Maybe EA is actually doing something good. And if it's doing it because it screwed up earlier, I don't really give a crap. I just want to be able to play Anthem in full after, with just spending my $60 that I pay 
to buy the game when it comes out and then get all the content afterwards. And that is, sadly, a rarity in 2018. Mm -hmm. All right, let's move on. THQ Nordic, formerly Nordic. Nordic picks up THQ after, out of bankruptcy, picks up its name. In a garage sale. Essentially, yeah. And, uh... Starts reviving some of the THQ stuff. Yeah, they've been doing some good stuff. Like, I'm, you know, the, the, the bringing back Darksiders. I mean, not just Darksiders 3, but, like, you know, continuing the remastering and, yeah. and keeping Darksiders sort of... Relevant. Relevant in some ways. Uh, they, brought, they put out a new expansion for Titan Quest, which is not a thing I which ever thought insane. would ever happen. I mean, I love Titan Quest. It was probably my favorite Diablo clone ever. But, like, I didn't think I was ever going to play more of it. Like, that yeah. was great. They updated. They did, like, a, an HD That's version. Crazy. And they put out a new Viking expansion for it. Yep. Awesome. And then Red Faction, that stuff they just came back around. They did more Red Faction. Around. They did the, remaster, the remastered the Yeah, version. so in general, I think Nordic has done a pretty good job managing the THQ stuff. Yeah, I'm, I mean, they haven't done crazy, like, stuff. But I think in terms of, like, as someone who enjoyed a lot of what THQ put out back in the day, like like Nordic THQ Nordic has has effectively reminded me of why I liked a lot of those properties, yeah. which is really the best they can do given the circumstances. So they're a, a rising publisher, a growing publisher, and we both feel like they've made a lot of the right moves so far. But Matt, I think they may have made their first mistake. So it was announced this week that THQ Nordic has decided to pick up properties from. 38 Studios. And for those of you who don't know what 38 Studios was, it was the video game studio earned, owned by Kurt Schilling. Mm-hmm. Yes, the professional baseball pitcher. And he had worked on Kingdoms of Amalur for a long time. Mm-hmm. It came out, did pretty well. Well, the other one came out. Because so they, they were working on the MMO for forever, and then they decided to do an action RPG to sort of like fill the time. Because Kurt Schilling is a big MMO player. Yeah. And he ultimately really just wanted to make an MMO. Yeah, that was his thing. He was a day late and a dollar short, but like that was the thing. I guess he played it on the road all the time, World of Warcraft, whatever. And uh, but eventually he go they, back to his hotel room and play World of Warcraft. Yeah. But eventually they put out this game, Reckoning, which Kingdoms uh, of Amalur, which um, his combat designed by some ex Tekken people. I mean. <laughs> it is, but it is one of the longest, most forgettable things I have ever played. <laughs> it wasn't a bad game. In fact, I remember Miguel Lopez reviewed this for us at uh, GT, and he actually loved it. It wasn't he came a bad in game after but he played it for there. a while, and he wanted to give it like a gigantic score. And I was like, I don't yeah. know, man. I played the first ten hours of this, and I don't know if I it's played, like I played, all that. I played eighty hours of this game. Oh, and it's I gigantic! Could, I couldn't tell you anything about the because it's just the same thing over about and over the characters. Right? It's just the same two quests over and over and over with like a weird Bioware like conversation scheme that doesn't matter. There's, I think there's seven or eight areas. The every area is gigantic. I played eighty hours and I was like halfway done with area four when yeah, I gave up. And by the way, you out level everything in like. You're one hitting Six everything hours. very like quickly. You're, it's, yeah. it, and the combat's fun. Like it's, it feels good, but there's just like you're just slogging through this completely generic action RPG. Unremarkable. Nonsense. It's probably a good way to describe this yeah. game. And so it has picked up the license for Kingdom Zamler. It also picked for, up the license for the MMO. Yeah, for probably the cost of about a sandwich. How much to, do you really think that they paid for this? I don't. I mean, they probably would have had to buy it from. Would they have to buy it from Rhode Island. Maybe. So, like, for those of you who don't know the backstory about this, so, Kurt Schilling's studio had got a huge loan from the state of Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. 
And right around when... Part of like a tech business incentive right. sort of thing. Yeah, it was like basically Rhode Island trying to get more tech companies yeah. to come in and gave his studio a ton of money. Well, it basically two weeks after Kingdoms of Amalur released, 38 studios defaulted on the loan and did not pay it. And literally within another two months, studios closed. Mm-hmm. Kurt Schilling had charges pressed against him by the state of Rhode Island that ultimately were dropped. He was not ultimately charged for it. And then everything just kind of went away. And then today, and then this week, THQ Nordic buys those licenses. Why would it do that? Because there's probably a good game in there somewhere. Like, I don't know. I mean, are you going to make a sequel for Kingdoms of Amalur? Maybe. Like, I don't know, remaster? I don't know. Wouldn't you need to deal with EA for that, though? Because then they publish it? Yes. They, they, that's the crazy part about all of this, is that for them to do anything with this license, licenses... They have to work with EA, and EA has to sign off on it. Hmm. It just... It, the game was never great, as you pointed out very astutely. The MMO is just a, a name. It's not... There's, like, the code that they have built for that. It's not mm-hmm. like they're going to grab that code and start working from it. I mean, the premise of, the, of this, the world was not a bad one. They had... I think it was Ari Salvatore that wrote it. Yeah. Um, they just didn't do anything with it. Like it was no, there was no. It was, it was some kind of thing about fate and how the world of Amalur, like ev- the same stories happen over and over and over again. Like fairy tales happen over and over again. It's like because it's like fate just works in this certain kind of version, like like a series of little wheels or whatever. And your character in Reckoning dies and is brought back, so he is outside of the threads of fate and he can change fate, and that's like a big deal there. Um, which is an interesting idea, but the game does nothing with it. Like it, it's, it sort of gives lip service to the idea, but like the the summation of it seems to be like you can make purple thread like threads of energy come out of you and kill guys really fast. Like that's about it. Um, so I could see them kind of thinking like, oh, we could take this idea and turn it into something like in a kind of a more of a, a Bioware RPG sort of thing that could really be a, a an interesting idea, an interesting story. But like it seems like you know to some degree you'd have to really be married to that that story idea to do that because no one recognizes this brand no, no one cares about this brand you like, could start a brand new brand that you own all the rights to and have every advantage that you would have if you used the kingdoms of Amalur. Yeah. it's sold like crap maybe more because yeah. no one would be associated there's no with negative kingdom. connotation associated yeah. with it so i'm completely puzzled and flabbergasted why this would happen it was, it was a probably big story. really cheap that's yeah. the only thing I can think. But spending a dollar for something that's worth a penny is never a good mm. idea, right? <laughs> I would have thought that about Titan Quest, too. Oh, good point. <laughs> I mean, they, they could release like a remaster or something with some fixes and some... You know, there's some things in this game that were pretty broken that you could you know, could have been helped. But, like, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do with it. Like, it seems crazy to even want an MMO at this point. Unless they intend to just cannibalize all the stuff in that and, you know, re- rearrange the content into some new game. Yeah. I mean, if they intend, they got Darksiders 3 together in a hurry. So they did, yeah. You know, maybe they got a plan here. They just want, like, a sword and sorcery thing. They don't want to do the work of, like, de- designing the world and design, you know, you've got kind of got a ready-made template here. Just take these pieces and make something decent out of them. That could be a thing. Yeah. You know, it'd be, maybe that's easier to, to go to, like, a contract, you know, contract a developer and go, go to them and be like, okay, here's the property take this and make something that doesn't suck. Like, you know, you don't have to do any of the, the legwork of getting to the point of, like, what is this and what happens and what's the world and what does it look like. Just take this and make a game. That could be a thing they want to do. That's I don't true. Know. 
That's that's a good point. But it's I mean, like I said, it could not have been that pricey. To no, to me, no matter what they paid for it, it even if it was a hundred bucks, I don't I don't well, think it was we'll worth see. it. At the same time, people are talking about it. Yeah, I guess we are. Which uh, which would not have well, happened. This, it, well, this is act, we're actually talking about it because this was such a huge story about him and like right. His, all, and then after it closed, like his employees came out and said he was a total jerk and. Hate, they hated working for him. Yeah, and well, I mean, the reason it all came apart because he was not managing the company properly. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's not like the terms of what they were doing with Rhode Island were, were unusual or, or draconian or anything. It happens anything. in France and Canada yeah, all the time. It, it, it's, yeah, it's very standard. It's yeah. just like, you know, it happens in uh, North Carolina. You know, yeah, like, no, you're and, right. But like, Subsidies, yeah. But this happened because it was, you know, Kurt Schilling didn't know how to run the place, I guess. I mean... Well, it became a big story because it was Kurt Schilling. Yeah, it was all, yeah because he was... A favorite son of the of the Red Sox fans and stuff. Well, he was one of the best pitchers ever. Yeah. And then he was on ESPN and like the you old know bloody sock. And yeah, yeah, that's right. Et cetera, I'm surprised you know about that. Impressive. I don't even know about that. Like he was he was uh, kind I of. I know Sam knows all about Kurt Schilling. He's a boss. He was kind fan. of buddies of the show for a while with. Uh, oh, that's he's, right. He's, he's that's friends, right. Kind of friends with Adam for a while until we gave it a two out of five, and <laughs> that was the end of that. <laughs> <laughs> Funny how that works. <laughs> Just wasn't very good. It wasn't. Yeah. Your two out of five was one hundred percent accurate. All right, let's. And move I on. played it for eighty hours. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's a it's a fine, mindless slog. Of Have a you game. ever played a, a two out of five game for eighty hours other than that one? Probably not. I mean, I I, I and I still turn it on once in a while if I just want to really? like, throw chakrams at something like <laughs> without thinking for a while. I mean, it's it's a it's a fun yeah. little combat system. It's just yeah. buried in this giant like featureless plane of nonsense. It's yeah. just, you know, there's nothing there. There's no there there. That's exactly that's the best way to put it. I, nothing about that game ever caught my eye. No. Nothing. It's like, well, it looks better than I thought it would. Yeah. That was like, pretty much it. It's like I don't understand this inventory. Kurt Chili made that? Cool. This, this doesn't take up inventory <laughs> space, but this does? That's weird. Okay. I'm just gonna keep picking these flowers, even though I've never needed them for any reason. <laughs> <laughs> like, Alright, let's move on. Uh so the Black Ops 4 beta, I told you guys not to delete it because they were going to update it as time went on. And today, the final update went live, which is the Call of Duty Black Ops 4 Blackout Battle Royale mode finally went live today. Uh, I woke up very early just to play it to make sure I could play it and get everything done pre-production for the show. And I spent, I don't know, probably about two hours, two and a half hours with it today. Um, did you get a chance to check it out? No, I didn't even know that was up. Yeah, it is live right now on PlayStation 4. I think it's going to be live on Xbox One next week. Maybe Xbox One and PC next week. But right now it's exclusive to PlayStation 4. So if you were already in the Black Ops 4 beta earlier and you did not delete it out of your off of your hardware, it will automatically update. You can go in there right now and you can play it. Um, I guess the first thing I would say is that it's probably the prettiest, most polished Battle Royale game I've played other than Fortnite. I would hope so. Um, it has a level of polish to it that I am not used to seeing in the genre. Yeah. Other than Fortnite. But every other Battle Royale mode game I, I've ever played has been kind of broken and... Or, the, not, or alpha. Or, or janky, yeah. or the graphics have all kinds of issues. It was interesting to play this mode from a AAA developer mm -hmm. and publisher. And then the other thing I would say about it is that it's also very, very similar to most Battle Royale games. So 
I had hopes that it would kind of work in the Call of Duty aesthetic into it uh, with like score streaks and perks and all that kind of stuff. And it does have that stuff. And also it has vehicles. Punch, but, punch. Yeah, but <laughs> the way it works is that all those elements what happened? are essentially... What do you mean what happened? What, like, why didn't he shoot you more? This is the lobby. Oh, okay. This is like the pre-game where you just all hang out and act like idiots before the, the match <laughs> actually starts. But it is weird that they have you dropping into yeah, that's what I the lobby. The it fooled me at first, too. I'm like, oh my god, there's no lobby. I'm going straight into the game. Oh no, there is a lobby. Um, but the other thing that struck me is that you know all those elements are just pickups. So... Mm. You don't earn score streaks. It's not like you kill eight dudes and then you can like pilot this bomber. Oh, you just bomber. find them? You find them. Mm. Yeah. And all the weapons are that way. It's, I mean, in a lot of ways, it's just like any other Battle Royale game. But there's always been an element of luck in Battle Royale. Wherever you land, and in most Battle Royale games, like everything's randomized every match. The other thing I found in this is that I found the same weapons in the same locations. Oh, that's Twice weird. in a row. That's weird. Not vehicles, though, but weapons. Mm. I found the same guns, and, it's, and again, it's beta. This is beta, people, so this could all change before it comes out, although it is coming out pretty soon. <laughs> but I found the same weapons in the same spots in this game. Wep the vehicles, no. I, like, one time I landed at this building. There was a helicopter sitting outside. I jumped in it, flew it around. It had no weapons, by the way. I, I got in a helicopter that had no guns. So basically, it was just a quick way to transport around, which is a huge advantage in Battle Royale because, like all Battle Royale games, this also has a shrinking battlefield where you have mm. a zone and every set amount of time it gets smaller and you have to get in there or you start losing health. So I think what struck me the most about this is how similar it is to every other. I really thought this was going to be something different. I mean, you can only capture the flag so many different ways. Yeah, 80 players, which we thought there was going to be 64. There's 80 which is more than I thought there was going to yeah. be. More than Battlefield. Yeah, more than Battlefield. Battlefield 5 is 64. The maps are gigantic. There is plenty of downtime. And just like every other Battle Royale game, in my opinion, the best strategy is to just hide when you mm. first land. I mean, <laughs> every time, and you can watch this, like literally I played like 30 matches in like an hour because it is very good at turning over new matches. It's very, mm -hmm. very fast, which is something I appreciate. That is probably one of the big, probably the biggest advantage of, of Call of Duty's mode of this is like, you're never gonna not have people to play with. Oh yeah. Which is there, like, there's popula always gonna be population is a big issue with this, with this mode. I was playing it at eight this morning <laughs> and there was just gobs and gobs of people playing it. And the matches turn over real fast. When you die, you can leave the match or you can, you can spectate if you want to. Uh, but is, you can leave the match, and literally you're in another match, I'm guessing in real time, probably within like 90 seconds. You're, st you're, you're in the lobby punching other dudes hmm. waiting to be dropped out of a helicopter. Um, Stor Story are, of my life. Yeah, uh, it's very easy to die. Like, I'd have, an have armor, and I'd run into a dude, and literally like three bullets, and I was dead. Like, some of my matches, literally, by the time I touched down on the ground until the time I was dead was less than like 20 seconds. <laughs> And so what I discovered was I'll just stay in the helicopter longer. I'll get to a point in the map where there isn't anybody and I'll drop out there and then I'll just turtle, collect weapons, wait until half of the people are dead and then I'll start playing the game. And maybe that's a problem with the way the zones are working. Maybe they need to force me in more quickly. 
Uh, but I found yeah, if sounds I sounds like a valid strategy. I found if I chilled, I'd make it in the top thirty. If I actually played it, I would never make it past. Well, in look the top at all 50. those Fortnite people who like their their strategy until the top ten is basically to hide in a bush. Yeah, I mean, it works. I've I have not been a huge fan of battle royale games. I just haven't. I've really given them a fair shot, and I love shooters. And I just have not resonated with battle royale. And I thought maybe this might be the one to change that, but. It really, it mm. still is just kind of the same thing. Yeah, I like the concept, but I just don't, I'm, it's never hooked me. Like, I, I get why it's addictive. Um, like, I like, I, I see kind of what it is and on paper what it is and how it works. And I'm like, yeah, I totally get why that is something you would want to play over and over and over again. But it's just, I, it, it's just not a thing that ever quite, you know, it's, like the, it's like the MMO thing. Like, I, I played tons of MMOs. And I never got like hooked on any of them. I, I can I can just I can just get up and walk away from any of those games. And uh, this is one of those things where it's just like, yeah, this is cool. I like I like this idea. I dig it, but it's apparently not for me because none of them really hook me. I think what bothers me the most about battle royale is that there's just so much luck involved. It's like you land, and when you land, you see three other dudes or whatever landing around the same building as you. Whoever goes in the door that has the, the assault rifle sitting right mm -hmm. inside it is the one who's going to kill the other two guys. That's just all, all there is to it. Yeah, that's the kind of... I mean, the idea is that you're offset by how fast you can get back in the action and something else. Like, that's... You know, it doesn't really matter if you die because you're, you're going to be playing in 90 seconds anyway. But it does matter. I mean, to me, it does. Like, yeah, but, but that's the thing is the people that are hardcore into this genre or this mode, because it's not really a genre, it's a mode... Um, like, it doesn't matter. Like, the death is part of the game. You know, so it's, it's almost the Dark Souls thing. It's like, you got to learn that death doesn't matter. You'll be back in the game in 90 seconds. It's okay. Like, you'll get those souls right back. You'll be right back jumping out of that plane. Well, I think the other irony about Battle Royale is there's only one winner. No matter mm -hmm. what, there's only ever one winner. And it's actually kind of encouraging that so many people are willing to play a game where they know they're not going to win. Yeah. <laughs> hey, score one for humanity, Matt Kyle. <laughs> Score one for experience, the experience for the journey over the destination. Yeah, I exactly. Um, I guess I would say overall I'm kind of disappointed in the Battle Royale mode in this. I really thought it might be something a little more different. I thought Treyarch and Call of Duty would yeah. kind of put their but stamp on it a little more. I feel like that might happen moving forward. I feel like, you know, I feel like this, this mode will evolve, you know, as, as, as the community, you know, figures out what it likes, what it doesn't like, and, and sort of like, you know, they, they sort of... You get a feel for like what people want and what they think works and what they realize they can do with it. Like I feel like you're gonna start seeing um, it kind of develop its own personality uh, over the over the next year or so, um, especially if they really intend to kind of make Black Ops sort of a, an ongoing platform, um, which would make sense if you're gonna introduce this mode. Um, I feel it will it will develop its identity as it moves forward. It's also that would interesting be to watch this engine in a game with these sprawling yeah. environments. Like the draw in and the pop in when you're like coming down from the sky, mm -hmm. you never see that in a Call of Duty game because it's very controlled and yeah. they know what they're showing you. Also, also a, a, a PUBG staple. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but it's funny, like you know, I thought this engine was more powerful than it is. Like you see it in this context, you realize. It's, oh no! They, yeah, they they aren't rendering anything behind that building you're staring. No, at. No, they're not. They're no, absolutely yeah. not. 
And this engine, I mean, they've been schluffing this thing around now for a good, like, 10 years at this point. Yeah, so. I mean, I'm, I'm actually pretty impressed by how this looks. Oh, it looks great. Considering. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's probably the best-looking Battle Royale game. For whatever that's worth. Right, exactly. I mean, it's a low bar. But I think but... they adapted it to this mode very, very well. Like, it, it, looks, it looks better than I would have thought. When I first started playing it, I, yeah, I was, I was like that, too. I'm like, this is the best-looking Battle Royale game I've ever played. Um, and so there's a definite advantage right out of the gate. And look, it is glitch-free and tight, and, you know, it's, the guns feel like Call of Duty guns. There's mm-hmm. going to be an appeal for this. There's going to be a lot of people who maybe tried Fortnite or tried PUBG and was like, eh, who are going to try this, and they're going to stick with it because yeah. it's familiar. Even though they're going to hate that they can't choose what guns they have, hmm. I mean, that's a big part of Call of Duty, not just choosing what gun you have, but then kitting it out with exactly what you want and the whole pick 10. Mm-hmm. All that stuff is out the window here, man. Like, you literally find score streaks just laying on the ground. <laughs> it's so weird. Like, I was like, wait a minute. I just picked up something. Normally, I'd have to get 10 kills to use. And I guess maybe in some ways, it's kind of cool because you'll get to experience some of these kill streaks and score streaks that maybe you never did because you weren't good enough. Now you can just stumble across them and find them. Here's the helicopter. And this is the building where I found the same guns in the same spot, but the helicopter not in the same spot. Hmm. Uh, this is the only vehicle I saw, period. It's the only one I ever got. It's, I never saw anyone else using a vehicle the whole time I played it, which is kind of weird. But for whatever reason, I land next to this building, and there's a helicopter. And I was like, hallelujah. And then I take off, and there's no guns. It's just purely for transportation. That's it. You can't, like, I find this guy, and I'm like, oh, I'm just going to gun this dude. I can't. <laughs> so I, like, land the helicopter in front of him, and then we run around in circles, like, trying to shoot each other. <laughs> you didn't land on him? No, I was trying to. I, <laughs> I was like, can I flip this helicopter over and use the blaze to, like, <laughs> chop him up and kill him? Like, But, yeah, it was weird that I got a, a vehicle, but I had no way to attack from the vehicle. But, again, in Battle Royale. I mean, you probably would if you had passengers. Maybe. I mean, they, they could fire their fire guns. From yeah, the, yeah, absolutely. But as the helicopter itself did not have any guns that I could fire, which I thought was pretty interesting. So well, I can see why that would be, because like otherwise, you you, just... <laughs> because it's so luck driven. Like nobody might be, might be that nobody has a way to shoot you down. Well, the, I mean, they the guy starts shooting at me with his machine gun, and my chopper starts smoking so mm. bad that it almost blows up. So <laughs> it appears that it doesn't take a whole lot to take your vehicle down. Which is probably a good thing. Yeah. I mean, it's just one dude literally firing at me with his machine gun from the ground. And he almost drops my helicopter. And I don't hear anything hitting my helicopter either. Smoke just starts coming out of it. I'm like, okay, I guess it's about to blow up. I don't uh, that's, know. Some, that's some Battlefield 1942 action. Yeah. But, uh, I don't know. It is beta. And there's the dude. Yeah. <laughs> I felt like, what guy? I'm like, oh, I'm going to terrorize you. And then I'm like, there's no guns. He literally took me out. He took out my helicopter and me with just a machine gun. So I guess maybe that says something for balance. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's certainly the opposite way that Treyarch usually rolls. A lot of times they've had things where the vehicles were just dominating. Well, the other thing, too, is you said earlier, like, if there are guys in the chopper with me, but why would I have people in the chopper with me? Well, people it's team Battle up. Battle Royale. You, you play with, like, your friends and stuff and team up and stuff. Yeah. There is, like, a squad system that isn't fully implemented in the beta yet, so I don't know exactly how yeah. it works. There's, like, a grayed-out option for it, though. I mean, I'm kind of curious if that, like, is maybe what gets me into, into it, if uh, the mode in um, Battlefield, because it's, a, it's four, four-man squads. And that could be a little more interesting to me. But then again, I don't really have a regular squad for that. But who knows? Yeah. We'll see how it goes. 
So I, I guess I was overall a little disappointed in it, but still pleasantly surprised at the same time. Is that possible? Yeah. Parts of it I was pleasantly surprised by. Parts of it I was disappointed well, part by. Part of it, I think, is like you say, it's the uh, it's seeing that mode done up with a budget. Yeah. For the first time. It makes time. a big difference, for sure. But ultimately, that isn't going to help the, help it be fun. No. And I would argue Battle Royale may be one of the hardest things to really fine-tune and get right. Yeah. Well, it certainly took PUBG long enough. As far as balance and everything, yeah. Well, I think Papa PUBG's issues were just technical ones, yeah. where they just had this engine that they're like, they never dreamed it would be as big as it is, <laughs> and, and then they're just kind of pigeonholed into, now this is the engine we build it on, what do we do? Do we scrap the entire game and rebuild it in a new engine? No, we're not going to do that. Um, but yeah, obviously this one's built on a better engine, bigger team. And the other part too is that the, the post-launch support should be really good because it's Activision and Treyarch. Mm -hmm. And uh, one thing I do know is Treyarch is great about listening to its customers. So any feedback it gets from this, I think it'll take it to heart and make some changes. So um, if they'll ask me, I'll give them an earful. So we'll see how that goes. So uh, again, if you have uh, the Black Ops 4 beta on your PlayStation 4 right now, you can go play it right now. But I know a lot of people either don't have a PS4 or never gotten the beta or deleted the beta. And I don't think you can re-download it once because Activision specifically sent me an email saying, do not delete it off your console. Mm -hmm. So I'm assuming that you cannot re-download it once you've already got it. So there you go. Call of Duty Black Ops 4 Battle Royale. And it's time to move on to the last topic of episode 139. We're gonna talk about Shadow of the Tomb Raider. I wanted to play a lot more of this. And I, I mentioned earlier in the show that Matt told me he was going to finish Spider-Man. I'm like, oh, great. That means I'll be able to play some more Shadow of the Tomb Raider. And then Spider-Man was just so good that I just couldn't pull myself away from it to play more of Shadow of the Tomb Raider. So I'm about five hours in. The game comes out early access tomorrow, right? Yeah, tomorrow night for pre-order, early access, and Friday for, you know, peasants. For everybody, yeah. <laughs> like, or I, pe people not dumb enough to give their money to someone before there's a product to buy. Yeah. Square Enix sent me a code like on Thursday, I think it was, something like that. Um, and then the embargo was like today. I'm like, there's no way I'm hitting that. And I was on the East Coast whenever I got the, the review code. So I haven't had as much time to play it as I like. I'm about five or six hours into the game right now. The review embargo was today. There are, we've curated all the reviews on Sifted if you want to check them out. The scores are all over the place. Hmm. GameSpot gave this game a six. Wow. Yeah. And look, I again, I'm five or six hours into it. Based upon what I've played so far, that is completely insane. Um, I just want more Rise of the Tomb Raider, basically. That's exactly what you're getting. I have no problem with that. It So just to set it up with the story, it starts out... Actually, I'm not going to spoil how the game actually starts because it does one of those things where it shows a scene and then mm. it says two weeks earlier. I thought that's what uh, Spider-Man was going to do. Yeah. I thought it was going to start with the raft sequence from right. E3 and, and then jump back. Yeah. But then they didn't do that maybe because they're good storytellers. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so this game starts with like a crazy scene and then it says, then it goes two weeks earlier then it goes and it and basically you and uh, what's his name? Juan? Not Juan. He's your buddy from the last game. I have it written here somewhere. Um, Jonah. Yes. Jonah. So Jonah from the last game, who kind of built a rapport with Lara. The big guy. Yeah, really towards the end of the game, they really kind of started getting close. Mm. 
And well, clearly they were getting along all right at the beginning because they were in the Himalayas together. Oh, go, in the snow, right? You don't go to the Himalayas with someone you're just kind of okay <laughs> with. Like, that's a life or death thing. But he was like, he would jump in and out of that game. Like, he wasn't yeah. a persistent... He got separated a lot. He wasn't a persistent presence. And so far, what I've played of Shadow of the Tomb Raider, it's almost like a buddy cop film. Mm. Like, it's Lara and him, like, as a team, trying to sort it out. And it starts out, you're in, Me- you're in Mexico... And uh, you're investigating, like, Mayan ruins, essentially. And Raiding tombs. Yeah. Well, I've... Yeah. Such as it is. As it, is, as it were. And... Uh, Taking indigenous artifacts and flying them back to Britain. Yeah, yeah. Essentially what archaeology was for most of the early 20th century. And what happens is she goes in and raids a tomb, for lack of a, of a better term. And she finds... Something has been altered, essentially, from one of the artifacts in the tomb. And she does some deduction. She figures out, hey, this looks like it's got Trinity's fingerprints mm. all over it. So thought we dealt with that already. Exactly. Well, didn't we already see her come of age twice? I mean, She's become the Tomb Raider <laughs> twice now, so now exactly. we have to do it again, I guess? Yeah. And so anyway, she's seen something... But she's not the Tomb Raider yet. Who's casting the shadow of the Tomb Raider? Is it her? Is it her dad? She's self-shadowing that. Oh, okay. <laughs> it is a video game. <laughs> I look forward to uh, Ray Trace of the Tomb Raider right. in 2022. <laughs> That's pretty good. So anyway, she, she notices something is amiss, and she goes back and meets up with Jonah, and they're having a beer at this outdoor cafe. It's Day of the Dead in Mexico, which is like this big mm-hmm. celebration where everyone wears masks. Yeah, we, we saw Coco. It's yeah, cool. yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, they get back, and they discover that Kind of the leader of the town, who everybody loves and reveres in the town, is actually like the head honcho of Trinity. Mm. Not just the head of the local cell, like the head honcho. So they start... And he didn't call his organization Trinidad? Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so they start doing some sleuthing. They walk around the festival, and it's pretty amazing. Like, that whole scene with just everyone with masks, and the lighting is really incredible. You do some sleuthing, some snooping. And you discover that he's the head honcho, and you discover that they are after an artifact inside the temple. And you decide to beat them into the, into the temple to get the artifact first. And you do. You go into the temple, and you get this dagger, essentially. And of course, as soon as you do, the whole temple starts to crumble or whatever. It always happens in these games and, and uh, Indiana Jones. As soon as you grab something, everything just falls yeah, I wa- apart. Yeah, I want to know what archaeological or, or architectural trick the uh, you know yeah. these ancient peoples were using to like if you remove the bottle, yeah. the, whole <laughs> the whole building thing falls just collapses. Because that's a really cool trick. It is, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> that is a security system that no one can argue with. Especially when you didn't have like steel or like machining or anything back then. But anyway, that sets the whole thing in motion. Um, as you are leaving with the dagger, you run into Trinity, and then the dominoes start to fall. And uh, ultimately, you, your your end destination is in Peru. Mm, that is pretty cool looking. Oh yeah, it's incredible, dude. Like, the, it, and the graphics in this game are awesome. Like, it I don't reminds know me of uh, of like Hitman, where like you walk through those crazy crowd sequences yep. and those things. It doesn't like make the game any better, but like, but I, I'm always impressed by those sort of like big open festival scenes in games. Yep. Uh, ultimately, your destination that you're trying to reach is the Silver Crown Mountain in Peru. So the game takes place pretty much all across South America. Uh, jungle environments are a big part of it, which is a bit of a mm-hmm. departure from the last couple games. Well, well I've, had, I've had enough snow for a while. Yeah, the first so. one had some jungle stuff in it, I first think. First one was kind of like tropical jungle typhoon rainstorm stuff. Yeah. 
Second one was a lot of snow. Yeah, I mean, a whole lot Siberia of Siberia or whatever, you know, the Himalayas or whatever. Um, she was cold a lot. Uh, she, I mean, the, playing that game made me feel cold. No, you're so. right. Yeah, it did a very good job of conveying uh, the weather elements to the player. Absolutely. Um, so this one is mostly set in, uh, yeah, I guess a rainforest, ultimately. Yeah. So kind of similar to the first one. Darkest Peru. Yeah. Um, Paddington cameo. You know, the Mayans have all kinds of dark history. Yeah. I mean, the Aztecs are the ones doing the They were the sacrifice. worst, yeah. But the Mayans were no saints either. And, uh, and so it dives into kind of the Mayan culture yeah, and I mean, their... And Peru would be like Incan. Right, yep. So, so you're hitting all the South the American big three. ancient civilizations. The big three indigenous peoples of uh, civilizations of the, of the southern yeah. direction. But for the most part, the actual playing the game is very similar. Mm-hmm. And, in fact, I've yet to really find stuff that's really new. I mean, I wouldn't really expect them to reinvent the wheel on this one because yeah. it worked just fine. That is what the game is getting lit up for, though, is that it's too similar. I, I'm not far enough to Well, you know what? As someone who would bit. just like another goddamn Metroid game, like, just keep making the good thing over and over again yeah. if you have to. I mean, like, I'm fine with that. And, it, you know, like, these don't come out every year either. No, it's not, it's not like you're Assassin's Creeding this thing quite yeah, yet. Yeah, I mean, look, I am just, I am sucked into this game just as much as I was the last two. I am just as excited to go home tonight after I do all the work for this show and get back to playing it. Uh, again, the voice acting is great. So far, the production values are incredible. I will say there does seem to be more of a focus on puzzles so far. Mm-hmm. In fact, the very first puzzle in the game, I got stuck on, dude. <laughs> the first puzzle. That's why you're not an archaeologist. And the funny part is once I figured it out, I didn't feel stupid either. Like, it wasn't hmm. like, oh, why didn't I think of that? I was like, really? This is the first puzzle you're going to put in the freaking game? <laughs> so there is more of a focus on that kind of stuff. Uh, there is... Like, a, probably a bigger focus on just general tomb raiding as well than there has been in the last couple games. But again, I'm only five hours in and all that stuff could change. But I know for some people the game is coming out tomorrow and I wanted to kind of get it on the radar and talk about it at least a little bit this week. Obviously, next week you'll probably have played it. Mm-hmm. I will have finished it by then. We'll have a much longer, deeper conversation about it then. But I wanted to give people my initial impressions because I know some people have to decide whether they wanted to pull the trigger or not. And they saw all these conflicting reviews today. Literally anywhere from like a 6 to a 9.5 today in the first round of reviews. So I I think what I would say overall, if you're someone who's sitting there saying, hey, should I pull the trigger on this? What I would say so far is that if you like the first two games, you're going to like this game. It is the same game in a lot of ways, but Mm -hmm. so what? Those are great games, man. The first two Tomb Raider reboots are amazing video games. And if you don't think they are, then this is not going to change your mind. No, you're right. Yeah, you're right. And it, that's a good point. And if you maybe played the first one and didn't like it or and tried the second one and weren't into it, this is not going to change your mind. It's the same. You're, cra- you're crafting a lot. You have base camps. You're constantly collecting trees and other <laughs> resources that yeah. you need to craft with. Um, the weapons so far have all been the same. You have your pickaxe, you have your bow. And only one pistol for some reason. Yep. Yeah, and, and, and obviously... They tease the two guns at the end of the first one, and then she never does it again. No, you're right. right. Yeah, you're right. They never did, like, give you dual wielding. No. She uses two at the end of the first game. Yeah. And then, like, they I never, never went back to that. I never thought about that. That's crazy. But if you... Maybe that's why she's not the Tomb Raider maybe yet. That, maybe that's why she's not the Tomb Raider yet. That could be... Maybe at the end of this game... She finally she gets finally, two guns. Yeah. 
Uh, but look, if you liked the last two games, there, this is more of it. You're going to love it just as much. It also has like the gruesome deaths, uh, like the first two games where you get spears driven through it, which is always so weird because she's just, she's this beautiful girl, smart, articulate. Next thing you know, there's like a spike driven up through her chin, like out her brain. <laughs> like it, it just seems very odd. They, I, would, they, they, I think they take that from Resident Evil 4. Yeah, yeah. Like the, the, you may the, be right. The horrific death scene is sort of like, I, th I feel like that's the first game like that that I remember. Like, you screw up and you have to watch this character you like get horribly mangled. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> Leon had a, had a lot of bad days at my hands. But you know what? It was never really a female character that had that done to them. No, I mean she's. It was always Leon. Yeah, but she, I mean, well, Leon had some very a very pretty hair. <laughs> so. I guess that's a good point. <laughs> One thing I would say, though, based upon what I've played so far, is this is not as dark. Definitely not as dark as the first reboot. They kind of pulled back a little bit on that. Like in tone in or in, in tone. visual? Okay. Like, remember, like, the rape scene and all oh, the yeah, stuff like... that was in the first one? Like, I haven't seen anything like that in this one so far. Uh, things that kind of really push the envelope or make you cringe a little bit. Uh, and again, there wasn't as much of that the even thing that, The in thing Rise. in the first one that makes me cringe the most is when she impales herself on rebar through the abdomen and then walks through, like, sludgy, like, yeah. corpse-infested water. I'm like, you're dead. <laughs> you're dead. Like, you are going to die of an infection in three days. Yeah, like, you're so right. So you better hurry up. <laughs> well, there's still plenty of stuff like that. Swimming is a bigger deal in this one. I'll say mm -hmm. that much. You swim a lot more in this one than I did in the last... Did you even... Oh, look at that. Look at well, that, There it is, right Sam. on cue. <laughs> Look at Sam with the B-roll trigger. Yeah, and there are like points in the middle where you have to stop and get oxygen and things like that. Also, if you're claustrophobic, I do not recommend this game at all. <laughs> um, for whatever reason, lately after that that crazy like Thai cave rescue, I've been watching like a lot of cave diving because I think those people are just absolutely mm -hmm. insane. That's a whole thing. It's like like when you see like the spelunkers who are like, we're gonna squeeze through this crevice just to see if there's anything over there. We might get stuck and die here, but we want to see what's on the other. Like, no, I'm no, going home. I'm not going through I the crack. Know. I'm we're gonna not... do it. <laughs> and there are tons of moments in this. Like, there's a moment in a second where she's underwater and gets stuck in a crevice. And there's lots of cave spelunking and things like that where you have to. If, if you're claustrophobic and that kind of bothers you, I do not recommend this game at all. Or we do recommend it because it'll give you a good scare. It absolutely will. It'll shake you to your absolute core. So uh, that's all I can really say right now about it. I've not played enough to really offer much more criticism about it, but next week's show. Yeah, that's pretty scary. Yeah. Oh, it's terrifying, <laughs> dude. Imagine being underwater holding your breath, like trying to get through a crack like that. I don't even have like claustrophobia. Yeah, see that? <laughs> nope. Hashtag nope. How that, terrifying would that be? That's a rise of a Tomb Raider. That right is, there. absolutely. Jeez. Yeah. So there you go. There's my initial impressions of Shadow of the Tomb Raider. We will have much more in-depth uh, impressions next week. Matt will be able to chime in as well. Have my thing with stuff play. like that in movies and stuff is always like, so now how do you plan to get out? Yeah. <laughs> you just assume there's another hole somewhere on the other side of where you're going? Like, okay. Cave divers are crazy, dude. Yeah. They are crazy. I mean, the silt gets kicked up and it's, you're blacked out. <laughs> Seriously, go watch some YouTube videos about cave diving. It'll change your perspective on it. I would never, ever do it. In fact, that may be one of my biggest fears in life. <laughs> now that I've like learned what those people... They do it for fun! For fun! I'm just generally not a deep water person. Yeah. I was once in a, in a pool that was, had a 20-foot deep end, and that was too much for me. I was like, <laughs> there's sharks. There's sharks down yeah. there. I know that. Like, I can't see the bottom. There's a shark. Yep. It's going to eat me. Yeah. And I got out. 
All right. I even freak out when I see like there's like like, I think it was in Germany. There's like this crazy pool complex where you can go way down and deep dive. But like you can also swim near the surface and like there's like tubes you can swim through from like one pool to the other. And I'm like ah, I would never be able. It would freak the hell out of me. I'd freeze up in the tube and just die. There, I used to, I grew up as a kid, there was a river nearby where I basically, in the summer, I just lived on the river. And there was tons of places like that where you would jump down a hole in a rock and go down about 10 feet and then swim out another mm-hmm. hole and pop up in the middle of the river. And I just did that stuff as a kid and didn't even think twice about it. I just did it. Oh, you rural crazy fuckers. All I had to do was see one adult do it. And I was like, well, I can do it then. And I would. <laughs> like, I was corrupted. Anyway, it's time for our trailer of the week, and our trailer of the week has a TGS flair to it because it is the Tokyo Game Show trailer for Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. Let's go.私は不思議に。確かに。もらい受けた。さしが袋を乗せられよ。That's a great freaking trailer. Yeah, I like the fur on that thing. That is the first time to me that the game looked like a Souls game. Hmm. It still doesn't look like a Souls game to me. It does to me. It looks, because the combat is too different. The but, combat is way different. But I think you will like this better. I, I can already tell that I will. Absolutely. I'm excited for that game. So uh, we're going to get to some questions here in a minute. At Sifted Games, as always, it'll help us pluck them out of the chat more easily. I do want to say before we go into our Q&A, if you're watching on YouTube or you're listening to this on iTunes, and you cannot contribute to our Patreon. There's a way that you can give us a free $2.50 every month just by subscribing to our Twitch channel via Twitch Prime. And if you're on YouTube, there are instructions right down in the description right now that make it very easy. I also want to thank the people on YouTube who have already done this. Pactor mentioned it in his last round of episodes. And you guys sprung into action and you actually did it. So thank you very much. It's making a big difference for us. 
Also, anyone in the chat right now on our stream, if you guys have uh, subscribed during the stream, thank you very much. We really appreciate it. Um, unfortunately, I did not bring my iPad today, so I missed like everything. But I'm on the phone. We're going to answer some of your questions. The first one is from S1 Agatha, I believe. Who else in the world of comic book characters do you want to see get an epic video game in the style of Spider-Man or Arkham? Uh, the X-Men. Yeah. How about just a good X-Men game period? Yeah. I'd like, I like to see something along the lines of, X of you know, an X-Men renaissance in games, which is not going to happen. But, uh, I mean, we pro you probably can make a good Wolverine game with uh, Wolverine. Or I actually, we actually did a movie night uh, on Saturday. We watched, it, was the de it was Deadpool movie night, so it was Deadpool... Wolverine Origins and Deadpool 2, because Deadpool's in Wolverine Origins. Yeah. And um, Wolverine Origins is a terrible movie, but it's a, <laughs> but it's a great game. Yeah. Because Wolverine Origins was delayed a year to have studio interference and reshoots and recuts. And so Raven got another year to basically polish the Wolverine game. And it came out, and it's a great God of War clone, M-rated, because the Wolverine movie was going to be an R rating originally. And it sounds, I think they couldn't, I think they'd already made too much of it to go back on it because, like the the, the CG, CG cutscenes, I think were already made and super violent, so they were going to get an M no matter what. Um, but uh, it's you, it's commands a pretty high price, I think, on eBay now because it's obviously out of print. But, but Wolverine Origins video game is awesome. Um, it is the one of the purest versions of Wolverine because he's just cutting limbs and heads off and all right. that, and the, all the damage on him is real time. You see his skeleton underneath his muscles, and that's great. Um, so you can definitely do it, but like the problem becomes like it's kind of the problem like that an Avengers game would have is like you have to make basically six great games, yeah, because everybody plays differently, right? Yeah, um, and then you have to make everything work right, and you can't you balance it, yeah, and, yeah. And like you could, you know, sometimes you have a game like that where <coughs> the solution is that each character gets their own levels, but then if you don't like one of them, like you get stuck having to play that character right. in this level, and it's annoying. Um, so I don't know. Like I don't. I also don't hate the idea behind X Men Destiny. The um, what was that? The company that made uh, Silicon Knights. Remember that? Silicon Knights. One of their last games was X Men Destiny, where you no. you created your own mutant. Silicon and, Knights. Yeah. Made a. Yeah. I didn't even know that. Yeah, X Men Destiny. It was. Uh, you picked one of three... It must three, have been a piece of crap. It was. But you picked one of three uh, original characters and you chose their powers as you went through the game. You're like a new new mutant with the X-Men. And so you kind of designed your own mutant as you How went along. How did I... That completely missed that game. Yeah, that was... Uh, I'm assuming that was after Two Human. Yeah, well after Two. It was like the, one of the last things that happened before they got in... Before uh, uh, Dennis got into the whole thing yeah. about... Uh, with Unreal Engine and all yeah. that stuff. And it was one of the games they pulled from the shelves. After that, because it used... Unreal. Oh, right, right. Um, I, that, I'm completely drawing a blank on that I game. finished that game, and I don't remember anything about it, <laughs> except that you could create your own mutant and sort of choose their powers as you went through, and I thought that was an interesting way to do it, kind of try to make... Trying to do, basically, you, you do the thing that they did at the beginning of the Fox Animated Series, and you put the, the viewer in the position of Jubilee to sort of learn about everything uh -huh. and you know, join the team. That was a good way to do it. But, like, I would really like a decent... X-Men game at some point. I realize that's a tall order because they're all so different. Yeah. Um, but I like that. And uh, I'd like to see somebody take a decent shot at Superman at some point. Superman's a real hard character to do. 
I don't think but, it'll ever uh, work. He's just too powerful. Yeah, that's what people said yeah, about Batman. Create some contrivance. I mean, Batman's just a human with gadgets. Though. Yeah, but he still has a whole ton of terrible games. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah, yep. like the, the the idea is out there. Just no one's come up with it yet. There's a way yeah. to do it. I just don't know what it is yet. Um, if I did know, I would be making that. That's probably accurate. Um, you can do like you know really crazy overpowered stuff. That's in you know what was it? Megaton Rainfall is a pretty good uh, approximation. Approximation yeah. of you know just an overpowered Superman style character that like and the and the, the the hook is just being able to do all those things and trying to defend things against you know the Superman Returns game kind of had that where like. The life bar wasn't Superman. The life bar was Metropolis. Right. Yeah. And so, like, if you didn't defend the city well enough, you—that's how you lost. That is a good way to get that's around. Not a bad it. way. You just need yeah. to. The, the trick is you have to come up with gameplay that's as interesting, compelling to say like what Spider-Man did. Yeah. Or Batman did. Um, so yeah, I guess that would be my uh, my. Really, I'd take anything you got at this point. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I uh, I don't have a particular superhero that I would like to see a game made of, but I do have an idea of a superhero style game that I would like to see, and that is a superhero fighting game that doesn't take place in like a warehouse. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. think about it. It's so absurd that like you have like all the games that NetherRealm make. I mean, they're great games, but when they fight, it's like you have these two superheroes and they're just hanging out in like this room or whatever, like. I would like to see a fight, a superhero fighting game where it just takes place in a city. And literally, if you have superheroes that are powerful enough to throw another superhero through a building, you throw them through the building and they come out the other side. Like I would just. Well, there is a fighting game that kind of does that. It's called Dragon Ball Fighters. Not really, though. I mean, that's like you're knocking people to other whole other areas and knocking yeah. them around. Like, but I mean, not shit. like knock them to another area and it loads the area. Like literally, it takes place on like a city block or something like that. Mm. Well, that, that's the uh, what's that Jump Force thing? Is what Jump Force like that? That's more or less what they're trying to do. I don't know if they're going to pull it off. There you but, go. But I've uh, you know I've, I've played some stuff. You know, uh, Phantom Phantom Dust is a little bit like that. It just seems ridiculous that you play these fighting games with superheroes in them. Mm-hmm. And they're just standing in this like fifty foot piece of yeah. land. Well, the problem with that is like you, at that point you're basically making an arena fighter, like a Power Stone yeah, yeah. style thing, and that stuff is hard to do well and make it good. So. Make it so. That would be the best one. things in life are never easy, Kyle. Also, you'd need a license for that because no one's going to give a shit about original superheroes in that. Maybe if it's good enough. Nah, you'd, you'd need something. But that's the problem. Is like then you got to find a way. Yeah, that's what Injustice has to do is figure out why Batman can fight Superman. And not just be folded into a pretzel. You yeah. Know? Um, usually the answer to that is because Superman would never do that. But in Injustice, Superman totally would do that. Yeah. So you, like, I, you know, they have the pills that everybody takes, and now they've all got powers or whatever. We're just silly, but you know, at that point, Commissioner Gordon might as well be a character. <laughs> you know? uh, let's see. Next question. Um, J. Reed Vic Seven is Xbox All Access potentially. Paving the way for a five or six hundred to seven hundred dollar device, at least on the high end, in Xbox Scarlet, that people can pay in increments to offset the sticker price. See what he's talking about, right? Like where you it's that it's payment like, it's plan. Like an installment plan yeah. for uh, an Xbox, and you get all you get the Xbox all the services, the console for ultimately less than you would pay <laughs> mm-hmm. for everything a la carte. And you pay. It's like twenty-two bucks a month for Xbox One, and then like thirty-five a month for Xbox One X. I mean, maybe. Not a bad idea. They're have... saying it's for a limited time, though. It's not like a mm. permanent thing, which I think is weird. Like if it's, it's a great idea. If it's successful enough, I'm sure it will be a permanent thing, though. Yeah. 
Um, and I think they're probably saying that with as a kind of like a to reserve the right to sort of pull it and like revamp it and then put it out differently. Maybe for the they didn't even put console. out like a trailer to promote it. Like it's just a a page on their website mm-hmm. and that's it. Like there's no ads for it. There's no trailers that they put out for the enthusiast press. Like they've kind of buried the lead. That seems mm-hmm. a, to be a theme this episode. It has buried the lead. It's not marketing it enough for people well, to know. Well, it seems like an experiment of kinds. I w- it wouldn't surprise me if that was like a, a dry run for something like that. I mean, they're basically just, it's just a cell phone thing. Yeah. Except you're not really getting ripped off like you do with cell phones. Because you're ultimately getting things cheaper than you would buy them piecemeal. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a brilliant idea. I don't know why other console manufacturers didn't think of it. Um, I don't know why they're not all following suit right now. They should all be doing it. It's layaway for a video yeah. game console. That's essentially what it comes down to. And I mean, there's a lot of people out there. There's a lot of consumers that still don't have a PS4 or an Xbox One because they just can't, they're living hand to mouth. I mean, there's a lot of people who work on minimum wage and coming up with that four or $500 chunk of money all at once is impossible if they're gonna pay their bills. So they could take on that $22 a month, the $35 a month, you're opening the market to a whole new audience of people who are going to buy games and not just buy the console. They're going to keep buying software. So I think it's a great idea. I think it's one of the best ideas that Microsoft has had. And over the last year and a half, Microsoft has had a lot of good ideas. So I, I think it's amazing. I hope Microsoft does not take it away. I hope it makes it a permanent fixture and a part of its business. It probably should have announced something like that at E3 mm-hmm. where all eyes are on everything. And if well, people they may still... Yeah, it, they could announce it next year or whenever they announce their new console, just right out of the gate, that's the way they'll sell it. I mean, if it, gets, if it, if it makes it possible for them to make that console more powerful, it seems like a good move. That's a good point as well. So I think it's brilliant. I hope that other companies emulate it. It just opens up gaming to a whole new audience of people who normally couldn't afford it. So we'll see. Uh, Game Baron Inc., you teased last time about the new merch. Is it ready? It is not ready. So I went and looked at the first run of shirts and they were bad. They did a bad job on the shirts. The, uh, the screen printing was, had like splotches on it and like streaks on it. I don't know what happened because we used the same company that we used before and they did a great job on the shirts. I don't know if there's like a new manager there or what's going on, but I rejected the first batch of shirts. They were not happy about it, but I don't really give a crap. <laughs> To be honest with you, hmm. it's like I looked at them, I'm like, I can't sell these. And then they wanted me to start going and picking out the shirts one by one that I would, and I was just like, no, I'm not doing this. I'm like, you redo the shirts, you sort through them, you find the ones that are good enough, and then you put them in with the new shirts that you make, and then and then I'll look at them and, and I'll take them if they're good. So yeah, the first batch was screwed up by the screen printing place. Um, I think honestly, like tomorrow, I think I'm supposed to go and take a look at them. So I should be showing off to you guys very soon. Um, two questions for what's W Matthew. You only get one W Matthew, one per app. Um, now that the cyberpunk gameplay is public, further thoughts on it. Second, what do you think of the fact that unless your game is niche, if it's average seven out of 10, they tend to tank. Good or bad thing that just the fine games don't do well anymore. Uh, Cyberpunk 2077, as far as that's concerned, still looks amazing to me. Looks yeah. awesome. Oh, you got to see it for the first time. I haven't actually finished watching it. You haven't watched it? It's, like, it's long. It is long, yeah. And again, 
I'm kind of already on board, and I'm still a little irritated that I missed it. No. Oh. And uh, I'll get around to it. I think it still looks amazing. It's yeah. just like I remembered it from E3. I think it looks awesome. I'm glad they released it. Like, yeah. Just to shut people up, I yeah. guess. It hasn't like, stopped me from getting all, all the death threats, though, from the freaks on <laughs> YouTube. That'll be nice when that stops. Um, and the second question, is it okay that, like, 7 out of 10 games tank? I don't know if they tank, really. They, they don't burn When was the, the last time out? you remember, like, a 7 out of 10 that sold well? Detroit. Yeah. If I'm being, I know it got higher than that, but that is a seven out of ten game on a good Wait, day. Wait, it ended up at higher than a seven out of ten. I think it did. I don't remember. Wow, that's kind of. But I, I would give that game a five out of ten. <laughs> it sold millions of copies, so yeah. clearly you don't have to actually be good. Yeah. I mean, obviously, scoring well in reviews and being good are not necessarily the same thing. But uh, I don't know. Like it's I, kind of a catch twenty two because sometimes it just has to be pretty. No, you're right. But I think part of it is. I want. I kind of want those seven out of ten games to fail. Maybe not completely fail, but not sell great, because it'll push that developer or that publisher to get over that hump to make the game that's a eight and a half or higher out of ten. Instead or of how, drive them out of business. Or drive them out of business. That's why I'm saying it's a catch twenty two. Mm. It's like one of one and two of another. It's like what's I mean, the right answer? I mean, it's just sort of the where we are right now. We're in a blockbuster driven entertainment business right now like every, all of it is you know like you know you, you have to be the best show ever to get people to watch it on Netflix or whatever you have to be the best movie to get everything to has to be the best over. thing ever like yeah. that's how it works now the age of the age of social media frenzy internet frenzy and uh, and of course the other thing of course like everything's the greatest ever according to anyone who plays it early or sees it early so I mean, look at look at how positive Justice League was for, for the early screenings of that, and then nobody went and saw it. Yeah, you know, it, uh, it's a weird it time we live in. Because <laughs> like that's the thing is like companies seem so married to the idea that if you can just get the social media buzz going, you'll Your be a goal. success. No. But it's like that happens all the time with early stuff, and then it just falls like, off just, the cliff. Yeah. If it's not good, you're not gonna. F People are not gonna be happy. They spent two hours and seventeen bucks to see something they didn't like, right, right. and like, and even more true with video games. So yep. I think even more true in this era where, yeah, I mean, yeah, technically, you know, games are cheaper than they've ever been, but sixty bucks is still a chunk of change. And if you spend sixty bucks on a thing that you were like just okay with, you're probably not gonna run out and tell your friends to buy it. And I yeah. think that's where a lot of the real traction happens with these runaway hits is people telling their friends, Absolutely. "You have to play this." Word of mouth. Yep. Um, here's one from Congrim One. Do you gather the mixed reviews and release of Spider-Man overshadowing Tomb Raider will hurt the franchise's future? Should Squeenix pivot to more Marvel-focused games like they are with the Avengers in regards to Eidos Montreal? Um, well, we'll see how good the Marvel games are first. Uh, we don't know yet. Yep. Because, uh, oh boy. Like, Spider-Man have set that bar. Like, if, I'll tell you this much. If the Square uh, Avengers game isn't you know, closing in in the same tier as Spider-Man, there's going to be some questions. That game might be getting delayed in the next, like, three yeah. days. <laughs> it literally might. Like, they may look at that and be like, oh, man. I mean, I think, we really, some work to do. I think releasing in the wake of Spider-Man was always a little sketchy, but I think the, the fact that the press seems to be so down on it for being so similar to Rise is a bigger problem because, yeah. frankly, it doesn't matter to PC and Xbox owners whether Spider-Man's good because they're, yeah, they're they can't not play it they anyway. can't play that 
Um, I don't think Spider-Man has any correlation to the success or lack thereof for Shadow of the Tomb Raider. Probably not. I mean, I, th- I think... Uh, I think the lukewarm reviews have more to do with it. Somewhat. Than I mean, we also don't forget that the reviews don't... You know, study after study shows the reviews don't matter when it comes to the actual sales. Um, so we'll see. I just, I just wonder how much you know, mind share there is among the mass audience for Tomb Raider. Uh, I haven't been watching a lot of TV recently. I haven't seen a lot of ads or anything, but like there are there are ads on NFL football all day yesterday. They were showing yeah. ads for it. But, well, then that should it should do pretty well. Then. I mean, let's be honest though. The first one, the first one was the Xbox exclusive. No, that's second the second one. one. Rise of the Tomb Raider was. So it's hard to even put a gauge on what kind of sales the franchise yeah. is capable of. Still, well, also like this coming off the first one, Square had these weird. Expect, you know, it sold like five or six million copies, and they're like, "Oh, we wanted to sell 10 It's like, right. well, then you were in, you were in Crazy Town. Like, the, you know, five <clears> five <throat> to six million copies for that was really good, and more than most. The last one did think. not sell as well. No, but a lot, it seems to be the case with a lot of second games yeah. recently. And now here's the third one. Yeah, that is, according to a lot of critics, more of the same. Mm-hmm. Which, honestly, based upon what I've played so far, it is. But I thought that's a pretty awesome same. Yeah, I mean, I would it surprise me if this is the last game in this iteration of Tomb Raider? No. Uh, would I like that? No. I'd like to see more of it. I'd like to see her be the Tomb Raider for at least one game. Yeah. <laughs> um, I like him. Yeah, but I don't. I don't know. Sales will be what the sales will be. Uh, I don't think Spider-Man... Hype is low. I don't. Yeah, I don't think Spider-Man is going to be as much a factor as just no one seems particularly excited for it. I mean, I can look at the data on Sifted for it, and it's. I mean, I can look at the data for it, Rise, and the first reboot, and it's way below those mm-hmm. other two. So there's definitely been a fall off in excitement for Tomb Raider for this entry. So you know, one of the other things that annoys me is I have all three Tomb Raiders on Xbox One. Mostly because of like sales and stuff, mm-hmm. but because they all start with different letters, they're all in different places oh, in right. my library. <laughs> and I'm just like, like, where is it? Oh, it's under S, right? It's not under Tomb Raider. Mm. That's funny. All right, we'll answer a couple more before we go. If we have a couple more, um, Majora Tom ninety one on a scale of one to ten, what is the likelihood of Bioware still being in operation three to five years from now? Lower than average. So wait, wait. Is ten means they'll they're they're definitely going to be in business, and one means they won't be in business? I don't know. <laughs> I don't you need to th- set I don't, the scale there. I don't think they would shut them down after Anthem, but I feel like if Anthem doesn't perform and then uh, Dragon Age Four doesn't do well, that's probably the end of Bioware. If ten means they're absolutely going to be in business in three to five years, I'd put it at like a seven. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't expect Anthem to tank or anything, really. I don't either. I think it's going to sell very well, actually. I mean, I know that eventually EA takes all of their acquisitions out back and shoots them in the head and dumps them in that pit where uh, Origin and Westwood and all those other games, other game studios are. But uh, I, I think Bioware will hold on for a while. They got at least Anthem and Dragon Age 4 in them. Um, let's see if we can find one more... Uh, Kirill Neko, since you praise Spider-Man, which version do you recommend, digital or physical? Doesn't matter, does it? Whichever. Yeah. I mean, you end up... The disc is just a key, ultimately. Yeah. So, whichever you prefer. Because, I mean, I 
Whichever you prefer and or can get cheaper. I have the disk version, but it's taking up 55 gigs on my hard yeah, you're drive. Yeah, still, you're still installing the whole thing. It yeah, you're still playing it off the hard drive, so it really doesn't make any yeah. difference. And I had both, because I got an early copy on disk, and then I had a pre-order for the digital one, so I played it both, about half and half, and there's no difference. They run the same? Yeah, it's the exact same. All the disk does is you install the whole thing, and then it checks for the disk in the drive before it lets you play it. It's the exact same install. So I would say whichever one you can get cheaper, or whichever one you... If you prefer physical media, because you think one day all the companies can take your games away, then get physical. If yeah. uh, you prefer digital so you don't have to put a disc in every time, get digital. There you go. And that's it for Game Face episode 139. I want to thank all you guys who are on the stream and asking great questions at the end of the show. Thanks to everybody who subscribed through Twitch Prime during the episode. Unfortunately, I had missed all that because my phone is not updating all the way through. But thank you very, very much. Um, we'll be back next Tuesday night and every Tuesday after that until the end of this year bringing you the biggest and the brightest in video games. Until then, we'll see ya. Game Face is up and out.